Hello and welcome to the Weekly Stuff Podcast with Jonathan Lack and Sean Chapman. We are here to talk about E3. Yes. 2018. All week. Every day. Mostly. It's, it is all consuming as it always is. Although at the very least they have, they have spaced it out slightly more. They have. And, and we are spacing out our podcast more. So it's like they're, are. they're deflating and sort of expanding. We're deflating and expanding our E3 coverage. It's all working out. Yes. So if you've listened to us for any length of time, you know that every summer when E3, the big uh, electronic entertainment expo, rolls around, we talk about every show, in-depth, every announcement. Sean takes notes on this like he is in a mental ward, and this is how he deals with his demons. My notes for this year's E3, we're only doing the first three press conferences, because that's all that's happened. It's already longer than last year's notes in word count. It's 5,365 words. Jesus Christ. Okay, well... That's why we're splitting up the podcast. In years past, we've done it all as like a weekend like wrap-up piece, and we do all the shows at once, and last year that resulted in a four-and-a-half-hour podcast, <laughs> and I said that night, never again. Yeah, because it results in two things. It results in a four-and-a-half-hour podcast, and it results in us like just skipping through half the shit from the last couple of conferences, because yes. like, that would be like a six-hour-long podcast yes. otherwise. So... We are going to be doing daily podcasts, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You're listening to Monday Morning. On today's episode, we are covering the Microsoft show, the EA show, and the literally just finished Bethesda show. We yes. just finished watching that. Jonathan finished watching it, in, or listening to it, I guess, during your drive over here. Yes, because I they were talking about Fallout 76, and I assumed this has to be it. It's already gone so fucking long. I'm just going to get... Because I had to get stuff ready. I put it on on my phone in the background. I get in my car... As I'm turning on my car, they're like, and we have Fallout Shelter on Switch. Oh, and we've got a new Elder Scrolls mobile. I'm like, okay. And I, as I was driving, I just pulled over and I finished watching it. And then I finished the drive. I mean, I pulled over at your house because your house is like three yeah. minutes from mine. So anyway. Uh, yeah, so that was my day. Um, so we're going to talk E3. We're going to talk a little bit of movie news from this week. A couple of just normal weekly stuff things. But today is E3, day one, Saturday and Sunday. And then we'll be back tomorrow with Sony, with Ubisoft, with Square Enix. Yes, yeah, Square Enix is the, in the morning, then it's Ubisoft, and then it's Sony. Yeah. And then we're going to have Nintendo on the last day and any wrap-up stuff. So yeah. three podcasts this week. So I hope that's enough for you all. It'll be more than enough for us. What do you think of E3 so far, Sean? Um, it, it's been mostly what I've expected so far. Because um, EA went first. EA went on Saturday. Because they're just like... Like, like, just hiding in the corner at the beginning of E3, like, don't look at us, like, don't look at us. We're hideous. And, and they had, um, I would not call it the worst EA press conference so far, because that was, like, I think whatever 2014 was when they just had literally almost no video games to show. They showed some video games this year, um, but it was a very bad press conference, and I'm excited to talk about that one. I thought Microsoft had a pretty strong showing, about as strong a showing as they can have, is what I felt with theirs. And then Bethesda show went too long, but showed a lot of games that I'm very interested in. So I think it's been, again, kind of like what I was expecting. Um, this E3 has made me question all my life decisions up to this point several times. Important context. You, well, you usually do watch quite a few of the press conferences. You usually don't do the full, the full shebang. I don't so do, you, I, you I always skip do my, EA. I always, I always skip EA. I always do Microsoft and Bethesda though. And, okay, EA's was horrible. I was expecting EA's to be horrible. It was bad, bad, bad. Uh, made me question all my life decisions. Microsoft, I thought, was okay. I would not go higher. Th I think it was solid in a lot of ways. 
I think there were a couple of great moments. The best moments had nothing to do with Microsoft or Xbox. Yeah, they showed off a lot of cool games that are third-party games. Yes, and I think I do think Phil Spencer laid out the clearest and most aggressive strategy for what he wants Xbox to be in the future that they have done this generation, and I thought that was interesting and impressive and worth talking about. Bethesda's honestly felt five hours long. It went on and on and on. Because they did a tight, like, half hour last year. Like, yeah, they was, had, I mean, last year it was basically a video package. Like, they which, didn't really do much of a stage show, and they showed off. It was the only the games coming out yeah. later that year, because they had, like, five or six games releasing that fall. And I I get why they had to go a little longer on this, but, like, they were talking about Fallout 76 for a solid ten minutes before they told us what kind of game Fallout 76 was. And that is just such piss-poor stage management. It, it honestly irked me at a certain point. And it just it went on and on and on. They did have a couple of mic drops at the end, but my soul was crushed at that point. So, like, I, I, I have a portion of your interest in E3, definitely. Right, yes. Sometimes a significant portion, because I, I do this with you. <laughs> but I don't think I, I have the same, like, such deep anthropo- anthropological interest that I can, like, overcome some of my inherent boredom with this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think it is important to note that, for me, E3 is much more about, like, the meta perspective. Yes. Especially, like, as it's gone on and it's less of, like, the, like, oh, you know, we I knew, like, probably 90% of the games that were, like, even the unannounced ones that were actually kind of half-announced. Yeah. It's like, like, Devil May Cry 5 was not a fucking surprise, you know? And so I'm interested in the, like, what? how are they pitching this? How are they organizing this? Like, what is going on in the world of video games that you can see yeah. through the lens of E3? Because you have never done the... Because this is easy. This E3 is fucking easy. Because it started... You got EA on Saturday. Then you get Bethesda and Microsoft on Sunday. Then you get Sony and Ubisoft. And you can watch the Square Enix thing if you want on, on Monday. Then you get Nintendo on Tuesday. Like, three or four years ago, it was Microsoft, EA, Ubisoft, and Sony all on Monday. Yeah. That's how this used to fucking be. I watched like two or three E3s that way. It's so much better. You would have never survived in those No, I wouldn't have. That's why, I mean, I'm doing this because I have the time and they're spread out. Yeah. But yes. Uh, now, it's been an interesting one. I I think there have been some interesting trends that we're going to get into. Like, Yeah, there have been a couple of surprising ones. I mean, I honestly, the most striking trend for me right now is how boldly the people have been talking about the next generation. Already. Yes. Um, Because Phil Spencer just straight up said, working on the next Xbox, and Todd Howard just now straight up said, here are two games that are not going to be on these consoles. Like, next generation. So, that is interesting to me. And I wonder if Sony is going to be looking at their scripts and going, fuck, that's not our plan. Fuck, we're successful. Fuck. Well, I think they're they're looking like, we don't need to talk about that shit because we have so many fucking games coming up. No, exactly. But, uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so we'll talk about some other trends. That was just one that struck me. Uh, Microsoft's newfound love of Japanese games, you know? You know, they... Not it, newfound, every that, couple of years. I mean, they, yeah, they've always been trying it, but they've usually been trying it to try to get Xbox to sell in Japan. Now they're trying to get it for Xbox to sell every anywhere. Just yes. anywhere. It's yeah. like everybody's buying up Japanese games. It's like, okay, we need them now. Yes. Uh, I mean, no, seriously, I mean, it is interesting in that, you know... Western game development, I think, is in a valley right now, not mm-hmm. a peak. And Japanese game development is on a very, very high peak. Yeah. And what that means is that, you know, if Microsoft wants to survive, they can't have just relying on Western game development they have since the original Xbox. Yeah. So, you know, and, and honestly, they made good on it 
today in their show of like sure, if, they, if, yeah. if Phil Spencer wanted to say we love Japan, they I think they made good on that with a lot of what they showed. So that was cool. But yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll get to that. I did just get a long text from my brother that I'm just going to read now. Okay. Because while we're at it, because y'all know by the time you hear this that they announced the Elder Scrolls Six on stage. Yes. At the Bethesda thing, very briefly, but very much a mic drop moment. Yeah, it was just like a big logo saying like, yeah. "Hey, you're going to hear rumors about this. We're just going to say we're making this fucking video game." Yes, and it is probably at least like what five years off. Yeah, that's I mean, my guess. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. But, Thomas just texted me, this is a full paragraph. Okay, yeah, I if, can see it. <laughs> if you want to speculate on ES6, Elder Scrolls 6 location, the architecture looks high rockish to me. Argonians live in mud huts, wood elves live in trees, and the Khajiit province is mostly sand. So it doesn't look like Black Marsh, Valinwood, or elsewhere. It's on a coast, but it's mountainous, so probably not Hammerfell. Could potentially be Somerset Isles, but that one structure doesn't seem extravagant enough for the high elves. So I'm guessing high rock. Also, Orsinium, the unmarked Orcish province, yeah. is in High Rock, so it could be there. I I don't know what's sadder, the fact that, that Thomas could just do that, or that all of that made sense to me, and I'm basically agreeing with his analysis. <laughs> yes, it probably, yes. I think that's a good... I also think, like, maybe don't try to read too much into, <laughs> the, like, the five seconds of footage of, like, the rolling planes in the mountain Sean, in the background. why do you think they put the footage out if they did not want people to do that? Oh, yeah, of course yeah. they want people to do that. And um, there's a reason why they didn't put the subtitle in there, because the yes. subtitle would just tell you where it's set. Yes. So... Anyway, thank you, Thomas. That was great. I've played about 100 hours of Skyrim in my life, and I understood none of that. So, I mean, I know who the Argonians and the Elves are. Yeah. And the Khajiit. But other than that, I did not understand that. But still, cool. All right. Let's, uh, before we hit the video game news, Sean, which is mostly yes. E3 related, I want to talk about movies for a second. Okay. I'm skipping the stuff segment this week. Yeah, because there's stuff to talk about, but we'll save that for a post-E3 yes. podcast. Yes, we will. Keep um, it in mind. All right. Anyway... Uh, I want to talk some movie news for a second. Okay. And I would have skipped this this week because of all the E3 stuff, except a shit ton of movie trailers dropped this week. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen so many big movie trailers come in one week. It's been kind of insane. Like, I was going back to try to collect them for the outline, and I'm sure I missed some because it took me a while to find all of them. But since we last recorded, Sean, we have got trailers for, in no particular order, How to Train Your Dragon 3... The new Halloween movie, yep. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, like, yeah. Lego Movie 2, Bumblebee the Transformers spinoff. Which looks like an okay movie, maybe. It does. It was surprising. It does. Wreck-It Ralph 2, which looks great. The Girl in the Spider's Web, the sequel to The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I didn't know they were making Yeah, I assumed they were making when Because is that that's the American yes. sequel? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so let me explain this one really quick. The David Fincher remake of the Swedish film slash book, Girl with Dragon Tattoo, came out in 2011. Right. It was well regarded, but didn't do so well. So they've never made a sequel to it, but they decided that... So this one is not the sequel to The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, because there were two books by the original author, but he's dead now. And this is based on a book written by a guy who like picked up the series after he died. Okay. And they're just jumping ahead to that one. Completely new cast. Claire Foy is playing Elizabeth Salander. And it's directed by Feed Alvarez, who has made two great horror movies. Evil Dead, the new one, and uh, Don't Breathe. So that's cool. Um, But, you know, they couldn't afford David Fincher this time out, I think, is the the bottom line. So I don't know what they're doing with that movie. It was a very strange announcement, but I forgot they were even making that. So anyway, yeah. We also got, like, a bunch of art house things, like the Suspiria remake trailer. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Looks really yeah. good. Um, that's by the director of. I'm sorry, my brain is fried from E3. 
I, I forget I who made it. What What is the other trailer? Uh, and the other one is uh, the the Star is Born remake by Bradley Cooper with Lady Gaga yeah, in it. I have not heard about that. Which looked surprisingly good. And I say Star is Born remake. It is the fourth Hollywood film to have the title A Star is Born because that movie has been remade three other times. So that's kind of funny. Anyway, shit ton of trailers. I'll run them down really quick. How to Train Your Dragon 3. Amazing. Uh, that movie, the last one came out in 2014. They first right. announced this sequel for 2016. Okay. And then the director was like... Animated movies take longer than that to make, and DreamWorks was like, oh shit. And they pushed it to 2017, and then they were like, we have the Boss Baby or something coming out. So they pushed it to 2018, and then they were like, this movie looks, you know, like good, and we don't know how to market good movies because we're DreamWorks, so they pushed it to 2019. Got a trailer, looks amazing. Those are the best American animated movies of the 21st century, and you should all watch them. Halloween. That, that sounds like the development path of a fucking video game. It really kind of is. Yeah. But CGI animated movies, surprise, surprise, have a lot in common with video games. <laughs> right, yeah. Yes. Um, Halloween, the, the new Halloween sequel, yeah. which is a direct sequel to the original Carpenter film. Yes. I thought that was a really good trailer. Yeah, it, yeah, I'm, I was not really excited about that movie when they announced it because it's like, fucking, you've made a lot of Halloween movies and most yeah. of them are not very good. But the first Halloween movie is very good. And, yeah, their pitch for this is strong. Yeah, and, and horror trailers are usually so bad. Right, yeah. Not a knock on the genre, just on the marketing. Um, but that was a good horror trailer. Like, it was scary. It had good atmosphere. I liked the the angle of just Jamie Lee Curtis, 40 years later, has just been preparing to fight this guy. Yeah, it's got, like, a vaguely, like, Sarah Connor and Terminator 2 yes. feel to it. That is really cool. It looks good. Um Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is going to be the best Spider-Man movie since 2, right? Oh my god, that trailer is so good. So good. Yeah, for people who don't, because we talked about the first sort of like teaser trailer yeah. a while ago. But for people who don't know, because, you know, it's not that heavily marketed. Yeah. Uh, it, the Spider-Verse is a animated Spider-Man movie featuring Miles Morales, who's the sort of like half-black, half-Puerto Rican sort of successor to the Ultimate Universe Spider-Man from the comics. And so people have probably heard about Miles Morales. And and so this is just sort of incorporating a lot of like the the Spider Verse concept, which is that you have these different Spider Man characters. Like Peter Parker is one Spider Man from one universe. Miles is a Spider Man from a different universe. You have Spider Gwen who's in the trailer, and so that's something that developed in the comics. But yeah, just like the aesthetic and the style and the script is by Lord and Miller, which is something yep. I'd forgotten about. But yeah, like the dialogue is really sharp in that trailer. Just everything is so fucking sharp about that trailer. I'm so excited for this movie, Jonathan. How did Sony make this thing? That's all I was thinking watching. I was yeah. like, how did Sony sign off on this? Because they had played it so safe with Spider-Man for so long in the worst ways. And this... Like, I mean, seriously, American CGI animated movies all look the fucking same. Yeah. I think you have particularly good examples of them, like a How to Train Your Dragon or Incredibles 2 is coming out and right. stuff like that. But they, they are plastic people in a... You know, pretty photorealistic world usually, and there are mild differences in style, but not a lot. It's very homogeneous, and this is not that. It looks like very much a comic book come to life. It honestly looks more like a indie video game aesthetic, where right, it looks yeah. like paper that has been kind of 3 deified. but I'm fascinated. It's got all these little visual flourishes where it just like turns into a comic book panel at times. Um, I love the relationship between Miles and his dad yeah, that's in really the dialogue. Yeah. It's just, and, and I think, Oh man, I you know I don't have the same relationship with Miles Morales. A lot of people do because I know people love that character, yeah. like a religious idol, which is great. He's a cool character. Yeah, yeah. But I've only had bits and pieces of seeing him. But like two minutes, and I'm like, I'm sold. I want to see this guy as Spider Man. So that was great. Yep. Lego Movie Two looks pretty good. It's a post apocalyptic sequel to the Lego Movie, which means it could be a video game at E3 this year. 
<laughs> right, um, yeah. That's there you go. That's a solid yeah. joke to set up for yeah. the my fucking like post apocalyptic shooter count, count I guess. Yeah. Uh anyway, but yeah, uh that looks fun. Um Bumblebee they finally took it out of Michael Bay's hands. Mm-hmm. I think this is Stephen S. D. Knight is doing this one. Huh. I could be getting that wrong. He might have done the the, the Pacific Rim sequel. I'm gonna look it up real quick. Um Bumblebee film upcoming American science it's Travis Knight different okay you, you know why I thought that then yes uh, oh he's okay that's why I was excited he is one of the guys from Leica and he directed the film Kubo and the Two Strings so oh. he's worked with the stop motion animation company he was the lead animator at Leica okay that's who you would want to get it do a Transformers yeah. movie and so th- that makes sense then why when you see Bumblebee in the trailer it's like oh I can understand what I'm fucking looking at yeah I mean which is completely unlike any of the other Transformers movies where you see any of the Transformers transforming like what is even happening what am I fucking looking at on this screen right it now it honestly is a good movie trailer because it's about half just this one scene with the Haley Steinfeld character meeting Bumblebee, and it was like sweet and charming in a way yeah. Transformers under Michael Bay has never been. Um, they finally decided to shoot a movie about giant tall robots in the tall aspect ratio right. instead of fucking CinemaScope widescreen for some reason, which is how Michael Bay did it. Of like, let's just squeeze these guys into a really wide frame, even though they are very tall. Yeah, just cinematography 101 stuff that he didn't quite get. So yeah, Bumblebee. I, I, I might go see a Transformers movie again. Yeah, like it's yeah. Not, it didn't like blow my socks off, but no. it was just like, oh my god! Like yeah, I, it, it's but, like the idea of a Transformers movie that looks even just decent is so foreign to me at this point. It's like, holy all, shit! All I want out of Transformers is a decent kids movie because that's right, what it yeah. should be. Uh-huh. It doesn't have to be for me gritty adult realism. And if they get a decent kids movie out of it, great! Like, there's that's a good thing. Yeah, and I like the the kind of like cute, almost like semi chibi kind of design that yeah. Bumblebee has. I think it's a, it's a good look. Yeah, uh, Wreck It Ralph two looks amazing. Wreck It Ralph one is my favorite Disney movie, uh, Disney animated movie of the last decade easily. It's so good, and this one, the, the sequel looks so funny. They're going very very meta with it, and I like that. And people always talk about how Frozen was so revolutionary and handled the Disney princess stuff. It's not, if you actually look at Frozen at all. But I actually think Wreck-It Ralph has one of the best little deconstructions of the Disney princess thing near the end with the Sarah Silverman character. And they further that in this trailer, and it made me laugh very hard. So that was cool. Uh, We already joked about Girls in the Spiderweb and the other ones. So yeah, um, just a lot of movie trailers. And I was like, holy shit, there's a lot of movies I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's the E3 of movie trailers. It was it was weird that this happened E3 week. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just this sort of gravity well of entertainment news that E3 yes. made. It's like oh shit, this sucked yeah. in all the movie trailers. Also, yes, I also um, got a press release this week. I haven't seen it announced elsewhere, so I'll just say it here that 2001: A Space Odyssey is getting the new uh, unrestored, which I'll tell you what that means, 70 millimeter print coming to our hometown of Denver this Friday, June 15th at the Regal Continental Cinema. I'm putting that out for, there for any listeners in Denver who maybe have not, because it has not been widely publicized. You had not heard about it, no. right? And um, this is awesome. It had not been announced as coming to Denver before, but we're apparently getting it this Friday. They have not put tickets up yet, but they we're still over a week out, so it's fine. Or not over a, we're a couple, yeah, couple days Yeah, almost out. a week out. Yeah, yeah so 
Um, they don't have any showtimes out for Friday other than Incredibles, so it makes sense. But yes, um, 70 millimeter. That's also they they've shown Dunkirk and Hateful Eight there, so the Continental has a working 70 millimeter projector. If you haven't heard, this is the 50th anniversary of 2001, 1968. Um, it's already and- 251. <laughs> yes. Or 2051. Fuck, like, years have gone by, man. Yes. Since Trump was elected, it really slowed down. No, but 2001 uh, is 50 years old, and so for the Cannes Film Festival, they struck a new 70mm film print. They are calling it unrestored, because what they did is they literally took the negative and just rolled a new print off the negative. Mm. They did no digital restoration whatsoever. It, It was supervised by Christopher Nolan, who is... Obviously a big fan of Kubrick, but also probably knows more than just about any working filmmaker about 70mm film. And they did no tricks to it. It's supposed to look as accurate as possible to how the movie looked on 70 in 1968. And it is doing a touring roadshow. I think this is the same print that played in France. Hmm. Because they're just touring around the country. And we're getting it for at least a week. And... You know, I was thinking we might do the next Star Wars thing next week, but now I'm thinking if we both go see this, we're going to do a 2001 appreciation episode for the 50th it, anniversary. It was, it is one of my top ten favorite movies. Yes, so I think we should probably do that. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a good fucking movie. If people haven't seen it, yes. Also, be prepared for 2001: Space Odyssey because it is a hard movie. I'm watch. excited because I've only ever seen it on DVD. Yeah, me too. And I really want to experience it in a, in a theater because everyone says that that's a movie that like. Is there's a revelatory difference, theater mm-hmm. versus you know home video, and I believe it. Looking at that, movie. yeah, it is so, the kind of movie that you can say that for. Yeah. So anyway, that is the movie news, Sean. That I that we're talking about this week, anyway. Uh, so yeah, before we get into E3, do you want to do some of the pre E3 news that broke? Yeah, because there's just like a little bit of like scraps thrown up in front of E3 to be like, we need to get some attention on some of these announcements yes. before they just get bulldozed over. So we'll talk about some of these. I think the first one I want to talk about, just because it's near and dear to this podcast, is Persona 3 Dancing... What is it? Dancing in Moonlight and Dancing in Starlight are the localized titles, because they have to mess with the titles for some reason. I don't know. It's like why they took the the out of Persona 4, the golden. I don't know why you do that. It's it's much better that way. But yeah, so they're doing localizations for them. They're coming out in 2019, which is like a long time. Surprisingly long wait. They, yeah. They're going to have full dual audio. They're going to be dubbed. So, you know, they're putting work into them, although these are not nearly as much work as, like, Persona 5 or something. Yeah, or even Dancing All Night with yeah. the Persona 4 one, which, you know, there is there is more text than you would expect in those commie events, but yeah. nowhere near the bulk of text that that, like, full visual novel mode had in 4. I did see a lot of frustration about this online from people. Uh, rightly so, I think. Yeah. That they're, they're waiting. Because it could potentially be a full year. They said early 2019. Persona 5 was early 2019, and that was April. So right. if it's April again, for instance, that would be a, almost a full year from Japanese release to English release. It's either way going to be a, one of the longest delays in the Persona series since like the early PS2 days. Right. Because they've generally gotten faster over time. And it does seem weird to me on a business strategy that you wouldn't try to strike while the iron is hot on Persona. Of like, Persona 5 came out last year. You know, I think it's still very much in people's minds. In another year, who knows how many things will have happened and come. And I I don't know. Persona Q2 could already be out in Japanese by that point. And then what do they do with that? Like, it is a little weird to wait that long. We've played them both. Yeah. We think they're worth it. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm on the view of like... Well, I will have completely forgotten my Japanese playthrough by then, and so they'll be all new to me. <laughs> That's a fair point. Yeah. 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 But uh it is kind of weird. I do think the new English titles are stupid, and I don't know 
why you wouldn't just... I know it sounds weird, Dancing Moon Knight, but, like, it's also a weird JRPG series. Uh-huh. People know what they're getting in for. Yeah, You're it's, not... it's, it's a rhythm game spinoff of an already fairly niche yes. JRPG series. I know, like, Persona 5 blew up way bigger than the other games and has, like, two or three million copies sold worldwide, but even that's not, like... Yeah. Unbelievably massive. This is not that many people are going to be that interested in the fucking rhythm game spinoff. Just keep the the goofy but cool, yeah, Japanese titles. Also, the the Persona Four Dancing one was called Dancing All Night over here. Yeah. So to break the pattern, it also makes it sound, makes it less obvious just from hearing the title that it is a sequel to that game. Right. So I don't know why they changed it. We don't have a lot of other details. I'm glad they're doing it, you know. Yeah, um, I also very much appreciate that they are putting in the Japanese voices, because oh yeah. that was something I was unsure of if that was going to be in, because it's very on yeah. and off with this franchise, whether or not that's included or not. Now, here is a question, though, Sean. Mm-hmm. Do you think this could have been ready for fall, and do you think that it is one of the many victims of we're just not going anywhere near Red Dead 2? Maybe, but also it's like, I feel like... Th- with a like a niche kind of like yeah. specialty release like that, that's usually not that huge of a concern because they're not. I wouldn't think so, but yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, I don't think they would try to release it in October, regardless. But but then they would release it in like December or something because right. that's that kind of thing of like you don't need to worry about what the fucking holiday season is to release well, Dancing Moon Night and Dancing Star. Uh, but I do genuinely wonder where they want to release this because January, February, March are already ludicrously packed. Yeah, the end of February has like five games coming out, like February 22nd or something, and all of a sudden it's super packed. We had, at the Microsoft show, back-to-back February 22nd announcements. I forget which two games, but back-to-back. Like, like the Red Dead effect is that February is going to be the new October. Uh Uh-huh. So, early 2019 might have to mean June or something. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. But yes, uh, so those will be coming one day. Yes. Distant future. I'm I'm glad that I got the Japanese versions. Is I what am, that makes me feel I like. Too. I'm glad I, I just went ahead and took the jump on that. Yes. Um. Another announcement that I don't care about, but I feel obliged to say for whatever reason, Dead or Alive Six is coming out in, in 2019. There's a that trailer one. for that. Yeah. That's that was one that was like. Is Dead or Alive the beach volleyball thing? It's it's a fighting game franchise that has the beach volleyball spinoff. Yes. Okay. And the one thing that because I watched the trailer, I'm not a big DOA guy, but. I did appreciate that the Dead or Alive 6 trailer at least didn't, like, focus on the weird sexualized female fighters aspect that the other games very much focus in on. I don't... I'm not making any claims for the actual game, but the trailer doesn't make you feel skeevy for watching it, and that's okay. Um, And that was just one of those weird ones of, like, it was, like, a day or two before E3 started, and it just, like, sort of leaked out there. It was, like, eh, not not leaked and sort of, like, literally was leaked by someone, like, out of the press. It was just, like, they just sort of announced it out of nowhere. It was, like, yeah, we're making fucking Dead or Alive 6. It feels like that was like one that was like Microsoft came back and was like, sorry, we already have 50 fucking third-party games on our stage. We, we accept everybody else. There's just not enough time for you. You have to dance it somewhere yeah. else. It's like, okay, fine, if we can't get on your fucking stage. Um, there's that. Uh, we'll talk about this more when we talk about Microsoft's press conference, but Crackdown 3 was delayed to February 2019. That was confirmed yep. by Microsoft, and then they didn't. They very, like, I have no idea what their planning was for that delay, because there's something that, like, that leaked, and then after it leaked, Microsoft uh, confirmed it. And then it was just sort of like they had that date. I think that's one of the February 22nd ones that they confirmed on their con- uh, conference. That date was just up there, and they didn't draw any attention to it. I have no idea what their fucking plan was, though, for their conference. If that was just going to be like, oh, it's just going to happen to be up there. It's just a slide that says it's coming out in February 2019 now, and they're not going to address it. Because that would have pissed people the fuck off if like yes. they just sort of like delayed that game out of nowhere. 
Sean, do you think that game is actually coming out February 22nd, 2019? It might. No. No. It might. I, I don't know. Based on their... They still have never... It's a very Mass Effect Andromeda type thing of, like, they've never really shown the game. Like, yes, they showed a trailer, but, like... It's not they like a bunch of the other sort of like major games they, from the different platforms had like here's like a three minute like you know lightly edited gameplay demo that's like a live like real time gameplay right and this is like a heavily super heavily edited trailer it's it was like, a lot of very blurry footage and Terry Crews yelling very loudly it felt like their their entire their their entire strategy for Crackdown three is people love Terry Crews which we do. is true. And so they will be distracted by Terry Crews and won't focus on the fact that we have no idea what to do for Crackdown. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. So that, that happened. Um, Kingdom Hearts 3 got its release date for January 29th, 2019. Not 1019, as I have mistyped here. But it's, it's Kingdom Hearts 3, so who knows? They could be pulling a weird... You know, yeah. I have no idea. It's just another one of, like, you have a fucking press conference in, like, two days. Why are you... Well, you that was at a concert. They, they oh, that's had, true. That's yeah. right. They had a pre-E3 weird yes. concert thing. So yeah. I guess that makes sense. Although there's not, like... You know, I'm not looking at the fucking Kingdom Hearts concert. It feels like you would save that, like, release date thing for something sure. else. Slightly more eyes yeah. on it. But yeah, so that's... Also, it's not hitting that release date, so... Yeah. You know, whatever. Also, like, January 29 is such a weird fucking release date, like, late January for a game like yeah. that, that I would not be surprised if it hits yeah. that. Because they they have shown, like, gameplay demos of Kingdom Hearts 3, I feel like, every two months for, like, a year. No, they, I mean, the, the trailer at Microsoft today looked like a game that is ready to launch. Yeah, yeah but that looked like... A, I just... I It's not. Sure, yes. I'll, I'll believe that. And I mean, I will, you know what... Kudos to Square Enix. They held off a long time without announcing a release date for this game. Uh-huh. And uh, good self-control on that. Whether it hits it or not, they they stuck to their... Du- they did say 2018 at one point, but no one believed them. So there you go. Yeah. So... And, and they got very close to hitting If they hit this date, it's very close to 2018. And it's I almost got, there. And I gotta say, yeah. between that and Crackdown 3, my... Delayed video games draft we did earlier this year is looking real good right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. My only hopes are that the Assassin's Creed game does not come out this year and that, that Yoshi game does not come out this year. That's the only way we can get like a tie. Yeah, I think so I think one of those two at least is coming out this year. Probably, but we'll yeah. see. We'll, we'll see. see. That's we'll for see. the next couple of days. Yeah. Um. So there's those, and then there's two other pieces of news. Um. Before. We get into E3 proper. Uh, first, let's do Destiny 2 Forsaken. So oh, they, God, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, they had a whole sort of event where they, they debuted what is, like, basically the Taken King for Destiny 2. And so it seems like they are completely revamping a huge amount of shit in the game. Like, they're changing the way that the weapon system works. So now you can, like, have any weapon on any slot and kind of stuff like that. There's a bow and arrow. There are, like, new classes, new supers, all, like, new story, new everything. Like, it is. it seems like it is a Taken King level... Expansion. A lot of people thought this looked good. I, I, I was read, actually fairly encouraged by what I saw. I read the details. It sounds like them taking a spoon and flicking things at the wall and seeing what will stick. Because the any weapon in any slot thing sounds like throwing shit at a wall. The um, They're going back to random stat drops for all the weapons. Yeah. Like in Destiny 1. We're throwing shit at a wall. I mean, I, that, I that is specifically something that the community has been, like, very much I know, asking for. But it's... I don't know. I just... Nothing... I... Maybe I'll play it. Maybe not. Probably not, because there's too much coming out in September. Yeah. And I'm just not going to have time. But I... I don't know. I, I honestly... I don't want to be too down on Destiny, because I don't know what would bring me back at this point. Right. Because it's just been such a slog for so many years of... Like, I enjoy it when I play it, sometimes immensely so... And then just the eternal wheel turning of 
they don't do what the fans like because the fans bitch about it and then they kind of do something new but then we bitch about it more and then they do something that seems kind of encouraging we stop bitching for a while but then we enjoy it for a while and then we start bitching again and it just goes and goes yeah. and goes the the hell cycle that Bioware is about to leap into with, with Anthem, Anthem probably yes. yeah so I I just I can't do it anymore yeah I, I'm, I'm eyeing it like I have not committed to playing it it's coming out September 4th um, no this no year. way that's three days before Spider-Man right. the day yeah, after Dragon Quest XI it's two weeks before Shadow of the Tomb Raider and Smash Bros is probably launching in September too so nope no yeah. way I, I will say I do very much like bows and arrows in, in games and, and Shadow of the Tomb Raider that's their new thing I have to play Rise of the Tomb Raider first yeah. at some point it's like ten hours you're fine yeah then the other one this is the real announcement pre yeah. 3 that got me all all hot and bothered <laughs> um, in a lot of ways uh, it so, opened your murder flower. It, yes, it was. I yes, I'm not going to dig deeper into that metaphor right now. Um, but yes, on November 13th, 2018, published under Warner Brothers, we are getting Hitman 2, the new Colossus. Yes, Hitman 2, the new Colossus, where we are getting those Nazis the fuck out of America. No, um, but yes, it is the full sequel. It is the second game called Hitman 2. After the second game called Hitman 1. That is the other hell cycle we are in right now, is video game titles are so bad right now. It is something I had forgot, because, you know, I only started giving a shit about Hitman with the Hitman from 2016. And so I had kind of forgotten that there were earlier Hitman games just called Hitman. Until I was trying to Google, because I had forgotten what the release date was, to put it on this outline. I was like, oh, what was the, like, Hitman 2 release date? And it came up with, like, something from, like, 2001. I'm like... What? This is crazy. Oh, oh, that Hitman 2. Oops. So yeah, but we are getting the sequel to the best game of 2016, Hitman. Um, well, the best, the best Western game from 2016, I guess I have to clarify, because I, that was also the, the year that Persona 5 came out in Japan. But, um, they have given a bunch of details about the sort of the business model is not episodic anymore, which I'm kind of conflicted about. It's something that it feels like the episodic model was maybe ahead of its time because I have seen so many people being like, I don't want to play a game that's an episode, blah, 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 and I don't blame people who are, you know, hardcore gamers or whatever being suspicious about episode models because I'm still waiting for Half-Life 2 Episode 3. It'll come out someday. Um, but Hitman's episodic model was so fucking good, and one of my favorite things about that game was being able to come back to it over the course of 2016 every month or so and have new shit to play. Yes, and... I've thought about this a lot, though. Yeah. And it really does come down to this, though. 99.9% of people on the planet, when you tell them about the Hitman episodic model, you can go into your full spiel about how yeah. good it was. They are not going to be convinced until exactly. they try it. Mm-hmm. It was not an easy sell. It was not commercially successful. I mean, it, it was not way. an easy sell for me. It wasn't no. until, because I only jumped in, like, halfway through, and it wasn't until, like, I got the word of mouth and saw right. some videos and, like, like kind of intrigued me enough to really pay attention to it and be like, okay, I'll take the jump. Yeah. But I was convinced. It took me like three months to get to, to be convinced to play And that's game. just the simple fact of the matter is that it can be the most brilliant thing on the planet. And for its genre, Hitman was very close to being the most brilliant thing on the planet. Yeah. And it really doesn't matter if there's... I just don't think there is a way to sell a game like that when there... You can't say, oh, it's like this. Uh-huh. You can't say it's like The Walking Dead or something because it's not at all like no. a Telltale thing. Yeah. It's good. And you can't say it's you can't all you can't even do like it's like a TV show because TV shows don't come out monthly and you don't play no, them. Yeah, you know? it's it's episodic in a way that only a video game can be episodic, not yes. in the way that a TV show is episodic or like a journal yeah. or something. Yeah. But you know, this is still the same team, the same crew that did that. Yeah. 
I, I suspect that they will still manage to make a game every bit as brilliant. Oh, absolutely. And the thing that I am encouraged by is that playing through Hitman 1 in that episodic way taught me how to play these games yeah. in a way that I know now when I play Hitman 2, I'm not going to play the first map and then go on immediately to the second map and the third map. Exactly. Like I'm going to play the first map and play it until I have like done all the shit and gotten mastery and all that before I move on. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I agree. I, I would. Pref- I think I would. I would be happy now that I played Hitman One to plunk down sixty dollars in November for a game that won't be finished until July or something. Right. But there's just not enough people. It's a hard sell. I think it's like it's the smart business move. Even if like there's like this purest heart in me of like yeah. fuck everybody else. Like it's so it's such a good fucking idea, and everybody else should be made to see the light of. Because it's the exact same issue I had with some of the, like like watching the Bethesda press conference reminded me of one of the main reasons I think I didn't like Dishonored two or that much, even though I really liked Dishonored one, was because Hitman ruined that kind of game for me. Because like Dishonored two is a like going through level by level and being pushed through that game, which that game very much funnels you through each level, and it's very hard to like replay the level you just played, if, and like because there's all the story stuff and everything like that. Where it's like the structure of Hitman and the way that that episodic model like forces you to engage with that really interesting structure, so like revitalize that entire kind of genre of like open sandbox stealth game to me that I want every other game in that genre to do that now. But you know, end of the day, I am just glad that IO Interactive is solvent as a company. Yes, I'm. 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 You know, extremely and extraordinarily and eternally grateful that there is a Hitman 2 at all. Because it was yes, very touch and go there for like a year. It, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm glad it exists. I'm glad they have the backing of a major publisher in WB. I'm glad that they are on terra firma now. And, you know, when Hitman 2 comes out, enjoy it like fine wine. Fine wine that has been fermented with human blood, maybe. Wine bottle that you would use to smash over someone's head and yeah, take their costume. Yeah, stab their yes. throat and open the throat up, yeah. Yeah. But uh, it, like fine wine, nevertheless, and uh, it'll all be good. Well, on that note, Jonathan, before we move to E3, there's one last thing we need to do related to Hitman 2 is we need to take a really quick stop over in Sean's Beta Corner. Sean's Beta Corner! Hey guys, what's up? My name is Sean, and welcome to my Beta Corner, where you check out the latest and greatest in the hot world of video game betas. This week on the show, we're talking about the Hitman Sniper Assassin, which is a beta, I guess? Um, so if you pre-order Hitman 2, uh, you get access to a time-limited demo thing called Hitman Sniper Assassin, where you, it's basically like a new mode that you can play in co-op, although you can also play it single player, where it's kind of like this sniper challenge mode, and there's only one map and kind of like one sort of like configuration of it or whatever, and I've only played it through a couple of times, but it's actually a pretty cool thing. So if you're someone that's like interested in Hitman 2... You might as well pre-order it and check it out. Because it seems like... I'm really excited to see what the full mode is going to be in the actual full game. Because basically you are, you know, Agent 47 kind of like perched up looking at this map from really far away with a sniper rifle. And you are given this challenge of like 10 or 15 minutes. And you see there are, I think, three tar- like main targets and like 15 guards or something. And you have to assassinate everybody within 15 minutes with your sniper rifle. 
and and you know if you're like noticed, then everybody goes into emergency state and tries to start evacuate the place, and you have to kill all the main targets before they evacuate. Because if one of them escapes, then you lose the mission and stuff like that. And it's this really interesting kind of reconfiguration of how you approach Hitman and just like taking the sniper mechanics that Hitman 1 had, which were really good, but you can only ever engage with them in a very limited way, and kind of, like, breaking out this, like, separate mode that takes full advantage of, like, the bullet drop and, like, having to time your shots when people are walking and, like, knocking them into bushes to hide their bodies and stuff like that. It's it's a really interesting little side mode, and I'm really excited to see what the full game is going to have and, like, how that would expand out and get different unlocks that change things up and see how it works on the different maps. But it also gives you a good preview kind of look at what I assume is going to be the first map in Hitman 2, which is a very Paris-esque level, which was the first level from Hitman 1, where there's a giant, like, manor and kind of, like, the field surrounding it. And so it seems like it's very, like, kind of Hitman 101 kind of basic level. But there's also a wedding going on at the same time. And so you see, like, all these, like, wedding planners. And over the course of the mission, the sniper mission, the wedding is advancing. So, like, at some point there are all these people dancing. And so you can use that as a distraction to hide you shooting people on the other side of the map and stuff like that. And I and it's just, like, seeing that is, like, holy fuck, Hitman 2 is going to come out. I'm so fucking excited for that and want to see what the full map is, want to see what this full mode is. So yeah, if you are interested in Hitman 2, I would I would check out that Sniper Assassin mode. I have just pre-ordered it from Amazon. I will be canceling that pre-order once I get my code because they are not applying the 20% discount to that game yet. Right, And that's yes. stupid, and I will be re-pre-ordering it somewhere else. That is the Sean's Beta Corner way of getting access yes. to video game betas. Yes, because Amazon don't charge your credit card till they're good and ready. Fuck yes. Yes. All right, this has been Sean's Beta Corner. Sean's Beta Corner. Da-ba-da-ba. Thank you for the, for the music, Jonathan. You're welcome. One other piece of video game news I just wanted to mention real quick, Sean. Okay. It's a bigger conversation. We can get into it elsewhere, but I just basically want to say fuck these people. Okay. Valve has decided to completely oh. abdicate their duty on Steam. And right, I, I forgot decided, that happened They have week. announced they are not policing content at all anymore. Anything goes on Steam unless it is illegal or, as they said, obvious trolling. I, it's just, it's so full of fucking holes of their, their goddamn statement about, like, oh, we're not policing anything except for with the, like, vague criteria, because, like, what is it, illegal? Like, illegal seems like it's like, oh, that's a very clear, like, binary definition. It's not at all. It's like, there's a lot of conversations we have around what constitutes, quote unquote, illegal on the Steam storefront, because selling pornography is not illegal, but I think that would probably be the definition they would use, because it's like, there are special considerations in some countries and stuff like that. It's horseshit, the fucking, like, the, 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 like, libertarian tech sector is one of the most harrowing and disgusting things about, like, the modern world we live in. Oh, it is. And Valve is, like, up there with Google and Amazon and fucking Facebook is probably the worst and Twitter in that. So there's, like, you fucking idiots. Like, you have no idea what you're doing and you have this faith in some, like, higher technological power that doesn't exist. Like, you idiots. You fucking idiots. They don't have a faith. They don't care. That's the difference. And that's what this is, like... At least Valve is being fucking honest about it. I would sure. love it if Mark Zuckerberg for Facebook just came out and said, we're done trying. If Twitter just came out and said, you know what? People who abuse women online, they can just keep doing it. Because that's what they're doing right now. Twitter yeah. does not try to crack down on those things. Facebook sells your information to whatever foreign government wants it. Like, it is all horse shit. Valve, at least, are, like, openly scummy about it. Uh-huh. They are just the biggest assholes in the video game space. And they are proud about it. 
and I do not respect them whatsoever, but at least we know where they stand. Sure. I, I hope I live to see Steam go out of fucking business. They are a terrible company. Valve is bad. If their games weren't that good, fuck them. Well, Jonathan, if you don't like buying PC games on Steam, maybe you would like to try a, a, a subscription to EA Access Origin Access Premier. I mean, Anyways, that is I don't my, have any active anger about them, but I'm not going to do that. That is my, my horrible segue to E3. I think we should rain check that Valve discussion for a less crowded podcast. I just like saying, fuck you, Valve. Yes, fuck you, Valve. Fuck you, libertarian tech assholes. Yes. Let's talk about something... Not nearly as infuriating, but equally, like, face-slappingly fucking stupid. Let's move on to E3. Jonathan? EA's E3 press conference from Saturday felt like they had planned it ten minutes ahead of time. <laughs> it really did. That most of the devs they had not told were going out on stage until, like, the moment they were shoved on stage. Everyone on stage either looked very bored to be there or really terrified. Like, they were about to vomit their guts out terrified to be there talking to people. Um, Vin Sampelli, whatever his name is, from Respawn, yeah. looked like he was really high and also really a douchebag. Um, it was slow as hell. It, it was They had no interesting announcements. The Anthem thing was kind of interesting but also very infuriating in how much they didn't say. Yeah, and even like the games they had to show off like Anthem and Battlefield, they had no idea how to show them off. And then the games that they didn't have to show off like that Star Wars thing, they had no idea how to show that off either. They had no they, idea how to present anything other than their like requisite indie block in the middle, which was the best part, is always the best part of the Oh EA. yes, the, the one good part of this show was there was a really cool German developer yes. who came out on stage and her game was called Sea of Solitude. And so she delivered like a five minute soliloquy on the philosophical idea of loneliness yeah. and what that means and how it brings us together as humans, ironically, in our own solitude. And that was amazing, and I wish she just hosted every E3 show and went off on tangents about different philosophical ideas, because she was great. The rest of, oh, God, that was a bad show. It also felt cheap. It felt like they spent, like, $5 on it. I mean, yeah, they, there were, like, multiple instances of them looping the same footage. I think they did it with Battlefield Five, Star Wars Battlefront Two, and Anthem. All Anthem. featured, like, the same two or three looping clips. Over and over again. Anthem wasn't even clips. They had like little pictures of concept art and they showed the same three pieces of concept art. Well, they had three pieces of concept art and I think two gifts that like they kind of rotated between. All three concept arts, by the way, were like a small figure standing in the foreground looking out at like the stretching expanse. It's like kind of funny that they didn't even pick three kind of different looking concept arts. They picked three pieces of Destiny concept art. Yeah. But anyways, we'll get into it. Let's let's kind of go through a bit step by step. So I have taken I have taken what I would describe as fairly exhaustive notes. And, and and my requisite, like, weird sort of side tangents I get on when I'm bored with whatever okay. is happening. Luckily, since the, the conferences are spread out enough, I found myself not getting quite as punchy as I usually get in my E3 notes. By okay. the end of, like, back in the old days, on the, by the end of Monday, I was very done. So it yes. gets very punchy. I tried to be a little bit more even-handed. So the EA press conference started with um, a weird pseudo-3D effect. Of, like, Anthem monsters. I didn't understand what was happening. Um, so I think Andrea Renee uh, hosted it. She's, like, a gaming personality. I thought she did an okay job. It was not her fault that EA's press conference was bad, and they could have actually probably she, used her more. 
Yeah, no, she was put in some awkward situations. The best part of the show, other than cool German lady talking about loneliness, was her interviewing the Anthem devs, and she did very good at that, and I wish they had allowed her to do something more spontaneous like that, because nobody could have made that thing with Respawn work. No. They, yes. they sent her to die on that one. Exactly. And it's like, it made me feel bad because she was doing such a good job because hosting these shows is really difficult. Yeah. That it's like, you guys should have stepped up to the plate more. Um, let's see. Then we got a look at Battlefield 5's or they they then like sort of did this weird thing where she kind of said what the lineup was going to be of Battlefield Five multiplayer, then FIFA nineteen, then two indie games, and then Anthem, which actually sort of like skipped some stuff that they actually showed. I thought it was weird that they, I don't know why you would do that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Battlefield Five was the first game they showed off. Uh, they I have a couple of direct quotes here. You want to see more gameplay innovations. Deepest and most immersive battlefield yet. And I, I should have, that's like, cause I tried to do a couple of counts. I did like a switch port count every time a switch port came up. I had a battle royale count that only has a one so far, but I'm expecting a couple more of those tomorrow. I should have done one of whenever someone says that a game is the most quote, Im- most immersive title in respective franchise. Sean, I think Mike Stiff did that with like three or four games they, in their fucking conference. They haven't invented a number that high, Sean. You can't count that. Yeah, it's like every other video game they called the, the deepest and most immersive whatever. Um, but then they said, uh, so they had like a brief multiplayer video that showed some destruction, which is, you know, it's Battlefield. It looked like Battlefield. Um, they showed off a little bit of the single player stuff and then said that they were going to show more single player stuff at Microsoft's conference the next day. Which then they showed the exact same footage at Microsoft press conference. I don't know what the fuck that was about. Um, cutting corners. Cutting corners. Uh, and then, well, then the, the only really interesting things they kind of said, um, no loot boxes, no premium pass. So EA is trying to sort of, yeah. you know, do their feel good. Like, hey guys, we know that we you fucking hate us, so we're not going to put loot boxes in this game. Here, here is one thing I want to think about this because this is yeah. mostly a trend at EA, but but my other studios mentioned it a little bit with the yeah. no loot boxes thing. But like, do you think it's scummy to send the developers out there to say that when it is not their choice to have pay for play loot boxes? Oh yes, yeah. Because it was the the guy from Battlefield who was up there and had to fall on his sword about this, I felt bad for because that's a guy who's probably working hard in the trenches with a team to make a game as good as they can make it. Like, we can make fun of Battlefield 2, but the people who work on it, I assume, work very hard and diligently, and they are by no means the people choosing the loot box system. That is some suit in a boardroom at EA with a spreadsheet. That is not the devs, and that is poor behavior. That would be like if... Apple made a mistake that, like, pissed people off. Yeah. And instead of Tim Cook going out there and talking about it, he sent out, like, just one of the guys on the floor who programs the iPhone. Yeah. And he'd be like, I'm sorry we made you pay for iOS this year. It was really bad. And then Tim Cook is just sitting in the corner going, yeah, you say it. That'd be weird. That'd be really weird. And that's what they did here. Yeah. No, it's something that, like, yeah, let's just talk about it now because you brought it up. Because it is something that I kind of noted for the Star Wars Battlefront 2 stuff of when they had Dennis from DICE. Who was a very he was a very nice looking guy yes. up on stage talking about Battlefront Two, um, and yeah, the, like you said, for all the times it came up because they address this for basically every single fucking game of like we're not doing loot boxes because you know EA got fucked last year so hard, um, and yeah, forcing it on the developers is a really scummy move, and it's especially bad look when the whole just like the tone and style of EA's press conference this year and for like all the years I've been watching it has been this super hyper sterile corporate feel to it which is especially like 
put, was put into stark relief for me compared to the Bethesda one that we just watched, which had this very warm tone to it. Best thing about Bethesda every year, very personal. Yeah, very personal, a lot of humor, like, it was run by devs and, like, people from the studio, and when, like, fucking Pete Hines, who's, like, one of, like, the top dudes at Bethesda who basically, you know, MCs that show, was out there, he doesn't feel like some suit totally disconnected from the games. He feels like he's a part of that, like, corporate culture and community. When Andrew Wilson, CEO of, of EA and noted uh, Android, walks onto stage, it is impossible to feel like that dude is ever at EA other than, like, today. Today is, like, the one day he's ever seen any of these fucking people. Because if, and I don't know. Like, he might actually be a nice dude. He might be, like, a really good... No, he can't be a really good CEO in the state of EA. Is it? <laughs> but he might be, like, a nice guy and, like, a nice CEO. But, but, I mean, legitimately, though, EA is too big for him to know most of these people. That's yeah. it's too big a job. Like, but you can't... All, it's, like, but it feels... You could, even if, like, he doesn't know sure. these people, and even if he, 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 you know, can't feasibly have any sort of real hands-on experience with these games and these these developers and stuff... You can project this sense that you are part of the larger electronic arts corporate culture community like thing. He does not. He feels like he is this like android. Like there's a reason why every time a fucking EA uh, press conference happens, everybody fucking posts screenshots of the villain from Mirror's Edge Two, published by EA, who looks exactly like fucking Andrew Wilson because he looks like he should be like the villain in season two of Westworld or something. Like he looks like that fucking dude. And you see, it's so bad every single time. And you're right, he is the guy. This is also a point made really well by um, Patrick Klepek. Uh, I was listening to the Waypoint Radio episode they did on EA's press conference earlier today. And he made this point of, like, Andrew Wilson is the dude who should be out on stage doing the mea culpa. He is the guy who should yes. be out there saying, like, we fucked up. You know, if it was Bethesda, he would actually say we fucked up. Because Bethesda doesn't give a fuck, apparently. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he would be the guy do, putting out that message. And the devs would be the ones, like, you know, going out there, like, selling us on their games. And because telling us, like, how, all the great work they've been doing. Because that's how every other business works. Like, yes. we make fun of Facebook. They're a horrible company. But Mark Zuckerberg does not send out a random coder when it turns out they colluded with Russia. You know? Mark Zuckerberg goes out and says, I'm sorry. Yeah. that's what businesses do. Yeah, and this, like, the way that Andrew Wilson carries himself at these press conferences just fucking pisses me off. It's annoying. Every single time. Back to Battlefield 5. Back back to Battlefield 5. So, no loot boxes, no premium pass. But then we get Battle Royale count, ching, number one. Uh, They have a, they just called it Royale. Because maybe, like, at some point somebody is, like, raising a little bit of an eyebrow about, like, the Battle Royale novel and movie that all this is obviously inspired from. It's like, maybe we should be less, like, directly... Like, because, you know, uh, PUBG literally put in, co- like, pays costumes in their games that were references to the costumes from the movie. Which is like, and then you're trying to sue Fortnite, and it's like, it's just a bad look. So, yeah. like, maybe somebody has enough of, like, you know, wherewithal to sort of, like, distance themselves a little bit from the, like, direct Battle Royale phrase. Um, but they all they really said is that they're going to have a Battle Royale mode. Apparently, you couldn't really hear it on the press conference stream but I've heard from people that were in at like the show in the audience that there were multiple people that booed when they said they were putting a battle royale mode in, which nice. feels like the response that Battlefield fans would probably have of like, fuck you, we don't give a shit, we want a Battlefield game, we don't want a battle royale game. I um, don't know how to feel about all this battle royale stuff, Sean. I gotta say, because I'm a big fan of that book, movie, yeah. I'm a proponent of you know, it's an int- very interesting book, very well written book. Yeah, great movie. Great movie, but one of the best yeah. Japanese movies 
in decades. It's a very, and I think it's an important movie. Like, I think you watch it now and it feels horrifyingly prophetic, sure, especially yeah. for Western culture, weirdly, even though it is about Japan. Um, and I, it's weird that that has now become a popular game type that people go do for fun. I don't know. It's kind of yeah. like if we had a World War II, it, I mean, there are World War II veterans alive today, but they're probably not paying attention to video games. But I don't know. It, let's say if, if we had any World War I veterans alive today and they looked at like Battlefield 1 from last year, they'd probably be like, my soul is dead inside. Yeah. I feel like that a little bit when I see Battle Royale games. I get that, you know. Yeah, I, I, I don't... Spending time with the teenagers, I don't understand Fortnite. I keep on meaning to play some Fortnite, and I just can't do it. I don't know what Fortnite is, and I'm too afraid to ask at this point. It's it's two weeks. It's 14 days. Alright, we're done. That's um, it. That's it <laughs> okay, so the other thing, I have another, because I... This year, one of the things I did with my notes, because I just found some of the stuff that people said very amusing, um, I have another direct quote, is multiplayer is, quote, even more epic... Which is another just, like, I feel like there needs to be a, like, video game swear jar at fucking these press conferences. When everybody says something that is the most immersive or is more epic, they just have to, like, throw fucking, like, five nickels in. And we all get, it's like a class action lawsuit. You just get, like, two pennies in the email, or in the mail, a month after E3. Because it's like, here's your two pennies for, like, all the time assholes said deepest and most immersive and the most epic multiplayer experience. What do you think it says about the first-person shooter genre? That we have looped all the way back around to where we started and are doing World War II shooters. Yeah, again. that's a good point that I did note here is that yes, we knew this, but yeah, Battlefield Five is a World War II first-person shooter. We are back there again. It, it really feels like something of a if you've been around long enough, like we have, to see it come back to the genre that drove the industry when we were kids. Yeah, feels like a something of a death knell for the industry. It, it either feels like a death knell. Or it feels like we're getting old, and it's just like, oh, fuck, we're on the other side of the cycle, and now there's, like, all these, you know, if you're, like, 14 years old, you and you're playing Call of Duty World War II, you were, like, two years old or something when Call of Duty 2 came out, right? So it's Yeah, so it's just, like, you know, that's where we're at. Like, like, to them, a D-Day level is, like, super fresh. I don't know if they're interested in it or not, but it's something they haven't, like, seen to, done to death a million times. All right, yeah, well, let's move on thing. from Battlefield. Moving on. Let's move on from Battlefield 5 to something a lot more cheerful. FIFA 19. Uh, they're making another FIFA game. It's called FIFA 19. Mostly here... I'm just going to read my notes here. Uh, requisite overblown FIFA trailer. Why can't trailers for sports games just be fun and goofy and light in tone? They're all so fucking heavy and, quote, epic. Become a champion. Like, why can't the tagline be, let's have some fun and play soccer, guys? It's, this was a really theme for me for EA Sports stuff of because it was because for um, NBA it was a fun hip hop like fun like yeah let's have like we're playing some hoop like shoot some hoops guys like have some have some fun for fucking FIFA and Madden it's like has to be this intense epic incredible experience of like we are forging a legend upon the gridiron and and matching human will against human will i mean to be fair that is i think not just an ea problem that is just a cultural that's that's, yeah. that's how the world looks at soccer and football it comes from and, somewhere for sure and basketball is the fun sport you know but it's but like yeah. it's just like you're fucking kicking a piece of leather across a grass field, guys. It's not like that's the tone you have for your fucking World War II first person shooter is like the greatest generation and and we fought against the forces of of the Axis for freedom. Even if it's not a 100% accurate like historical narrative, it's like that's where it's like there is some pomp and circumstance to the events you are depicting, not people running across a fucking grass field kicking a piece of, piece of leather. Like I get People like sports. 
That's fine. That's like, you know, it's one of the reasons why I stopped being into sports when I was a kid was at some point it's like, that's fucking stupid. I like it when it's fun and goofy and we're just playing a fun game. It's like, it's not the most important thing in the world. And all these fucking trailers just feel like that. Um, apparently Hans Zimmer collaborated on the music for the trailer. They said that. That's not true. No. Some, I- somebody like, Five steps down the ladder from Hans Zimmer, like, looked at, like, the sheet music for the trailer. Thomas, my brother, can tell us about this sometimes, because he's an actual composer and knows this stuff. But Hans Zimmer runs a big studio. He has many interns. Many of them have gone on to be famous composers in their own right. But a lot of the time when you see Hans Zimmer's name on something, it is a coffee boy who can also write music who did it. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just, I just thought it was very yeah. funny that they tried to name drop Hans Zimmer for the music. Because it wasn't like, and he's he's put making some tracks for like our story mode. Because they yeah. did say they're doing the story mode again. The Alex Hunter guy who's been the character you play as in the last couple of FIFA story modes is back. From what I understand, people who like those games like those story modes. Is Alex Hunter a private eye investigating corruption at the highest level I think FIFA? that's, the, hopefully that is a twist at the end of okay. FIFA 19. Is that, yeah, he's investigating the corruption at FIFA. And then FIFA 20 is when FIFA 20... FIFA Armageddon, FIFA Armageddon is when he shuts down the entire corporation and is the end to the long-lived FIFA video game franchise. But yeah, so, but yeah, they didn't say that Hans Zimmer was making tracks for that story mode. It was, he called, quote-unquote, collaborated on the track for the trailer for this video game. So it's like, yes. fuck you. Um, FIFA 19 is coming out September 28th. Um, the dude stopped for applause, and there was no applause when he said the release date, which I thought was very funny. Funny enough to note here, um, there is there some sort of I think what happened was because they have this UEFA Championship League I think they have that now in FIFA because that was the license that Konami used to have for their like PES soccer game and now Konami doesn't make video games anymore so now FIFA has that so if you like FIFA and soccer that's something you probably are excited about Konami doesn't have like a rad soccer pachinko machine I thought surely they do but I don't think they need the license for that or it's probably a separate license for the video game and for the pachinko machine yeah um, what was the other stuff? Uh, there was a World Cup update for FIFA 18 for all consoles, including the Switch, which was my first Switch port ding. You get your the Switch thing. Um, they said something about they were throwing some beef around about the World Cup in Iceland. I Maybe Iceland's in the World Cup. I don't know. It has 350,000 people. That was mentioned, and I made note of it. It's an important fact about uh, Iceland. And um, there's a free trial for FIFA 18, but not for the Switch version, which I thought was weird. Moving on, that was that was as much as I could possibly summon in, uh, enthusiasm for FIFA 18. Uh, that's when Andrew Wilson came on stage. We already talked about him. I said here uh, he must have heard how everyone calls him a Bond villain because he's got a super cash look on stage now with a dark sweater. So he ditched the suit and had his sweater. Uh, he said that the greatest disruption to entertainment media has been streaming and subscriptions. And this is where probably the most surprising thing about E3 to me is EA and Microsoft both dedicated about five minutes of their stage time talking about streaming video games. Not in a way of, like, we're putting, like, there's, like, this service you can go get right now or in the near future, but, like, we are investing in and investigating streaming solutions for video games like what PlayStation Now is, and I was not expecting anybody to talk about that, let alone both EA and Microsoft. It's a weird move considering your audience for that is just so limited at this point, you know, I've never lived in a place where the internet would be good enough to do that. Yeah, I could do it. I and and we live we live in Denver, Colorado. Like we're not in the boonies. Guys. Yes, yeah, like, we're it's not in fucking Far Cry Five country, you know? right? And I don't know. So it's it seems like something you're going to want to do someday, and maybe invest in it now. But I I just I don't get it. Oh well. 
Yeah, it's weird. I, I get the video game subscription service thing that they're doing of yes. like you pay us money and you have all our games. I I think it, it it's there's a reason Microsoft is doing that and not Sony because <laughs> Microsoft right, yeah. doesn't have games to sell. But like, yeah, the the EA Origin thing or the EA Access thing has been successful. If you like these games, it's a cool service, so it makes sense. But yeah, yeah. but yeah, then they announced Origin Access Premier, and I don't know what Origin Access Premier is compared to Origin Access or EA Access, and I was just confused. Well, Origin Access is the one for PC. Yes, EA I know that, Access yeah. is the one for Xbox One. What does Premier mean? And Premier means that it's a little more expensive. It's more like Xbox Games Pass in that you not only have their back catalog but all their new games. Okay, so like you'll get Anthem, you'll get FIFA 19, um, and normally those would not be in EA slash Origin Access day one. They would be in several months later, unless it's Mass Effect Andromeda, and it's there like two months later. I really hate it when streaming, like, or like, this is not just streaming subscription service, but I think about like Netflix streaming subscription services. Anything that is a subscription that has multiple tiers, yes. fuck off. Yeah. They're just one tier. Everything should be Origin Access Premier or not. Don't do that. It's annoying. And it's just confusing. Moving on from that, this is when my favorite thing at E3 so far happened. This is when you alluded to earlier, uh, Vince Zampella, who is the the CEO, I believe, of Respawn, which now is owned by EA, because EA purchased They're them. the Titanfall guys. Yeah, the, the Titanfall guys, X on Infinity Ward, worked on Modern Warfare 1 and 2, and the earlier Call of Duty games. So he was there, and... You know, this is where I was like, oh, maybe they're going to talk about Titanfall 3. That would kind of make sense. We, we, we predicted that that might come up. Um, but we have known, because it was talked about in a couple of E3s, that there is a second Respawn team led by Stig Asmussen, the God of War 3 game director, that's working on a Star Wars title, which was one of the, like, three Star Wars games that EA was making. Now one of the two Star Wars games that EA is making. Um, and so, yeah, he just... Apparently, he just happened to be in the audience because Andrea Rene was just in the audience with him, just hanging out, chilling. chilling Very cash. Super cash. He seemed like he might have been high. I'm not sure. You know, there there is precedence for people being, uh, you know, a little bit baked on EA press conferences before. I, I think... You know what? I'll give you my alternate theory once you tell us what he told you, okay? Okay, so uh, my notes here say he said he's not ready to show their stuff yet. Um, but he's revealing a Star Wars game. It is called Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and I did not know where to put the colons in that title, so I just put them Star Everywhere. Wars colon Jedi colon Fallen Order. I maybe should put a colon between Fallen and Order or a semicolon. I don't know. Um, but that's the name of their new Star Wars game. It takes this is the best part. It takes place during the dark times when when the Jedi's are being hunted. And I hate to be that dude, but it really feels weird when people pluralize Jedi. It's like, it, Jedi is the plural of Jedi. You don't say Jedi. It just sounds weird. You haven't um, done your research. Yeah. So it's set between episodes three and four, which Andrea Rene inquired about after he said it's during the dark times when the Jedi are being hunted, which for me, super Star Wars fan, is like, oh, that's set between episodes three and four. For the, the general public, you need to be explicitly said it's between episodes three and four. And then Andrea Rene said that, oh, that's that's a good time to set your game. And then Vincent Pella, ever the jokester, said, no. It's a dark time. It's the delivery. She, she was the delivery. Like the delivery of that line, it was the most. Other than when we talk about the uh, the Sea of Solitude person, it was the most earnest thing happening at EA from like an actual like proper EA studio. It was so weird because Andrea Rene was just doing her job of like yeah. keeping it light, you know, like oh we need to explicitly say when it's set. So when is it set? She says, oh cool, because she's trying to be peppy and fun yeah. and have a light tone. And he's like, no, that was a dark time. It was man. set during a dark time. Um, it is aiming for a holiday 2019. <laughs> 
Which is, that I, was I. They. I don't think they said the word aiming. I'm pretty sure I put that in. But he said, he said like no. That. He said it's coming holiday 2019, and I'm like, you're talking about it casually in the aisle, just not even in the aisle in the bleachers, sitting down. No, it's not coming holiday next year. If you don't even have a piece of concept art to show. Yeah, my notes here say aiming for holiday 2019. Period. This game is not coming out holiday 2019. <laughs> no, it's period. not. Yeah, because it's it like again, like the way that this whole reveal just played out was just because she, she said like the the question that everybody's going to have is when is this video game going to come out? And this is like, ha, well, it's going to come out holiday 2019. Not this, not this holiday. The next holiday. It's like, no, it's not, Vince. Like I don't. I mean, I know that you know that that's bullshit. I get that you have to say this. I guess, but. This was the most bizarre fucking thing. <laughs> One of the most bizarre things I've ever seen at E3. Easily the most bizarre announcement of like a video game like title ever. Yes. There's no logo, no music, no teaser, no footage on the screen at all. We are in the stands of the show talking to a dude who's not even he's not even like the Game director on this game, he's a studio dude. He's probably working on Titanfall 3. Yes. It's like, he actually is probably not really working on this game in almost any capacity. And so we're just casually talking to him about this game that, like, another team at his studio is making. That he says the title and that it's going to come out next year. What the fuck? I... One, I do like the thought that he was high and no one actually asked him to say that. And uh-huh. then he had to go back to EA and be like, "What did? why did you say that? It's like Star right. Wars Jedi Fallen Order isn't even the title of the game. What are you talking about? Yeah. It's like we're making a My, Boba Fett game with the movie. I mean, Sean, if we found out tomorrow that actually he was making all of that up and just trolling, would you be surprised? No. The way he delivered it. It's it's like he's just so, just doesn't want his company to be owned by EA. That he's just trying to like get himself like... Well, see, of it. this is my alternate theory. He's either high. Well, this doesn't have to be an either or. It could be both. Yeah. Or he's thinking, we've been bought by EA. We're making a Star Wars game. We are doomed six ways from Sunday. <laughs> there is no way. This game's never coming out. I'm going to have a different job in a couple years. This is all going down. It's like he's been Fuck through it. the shit with Activision already. Yeah. Like, he knows how this works out. No, yeah. this, is, this, is not, this is not a partnership that's going anywhere. And so he's just like... I'll tell you, Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, you're not yeah. gonna see it. It's you're gonna. Jason Schreier's gonna write a mean story about this game. Yes, you're never gonna play it. But it's I'm, gonna be a great chapter in Blood, Sweat, and Pixels Two. Yeah, the the one th- the thing I was disappointed about with this reveal is that it didn't have any opportunity for my eyebrow to raise at the logo for the Frostbite engine. It'd just be like, ooh, okay, sure about <laughs> they, that one. They seem pretty proud of it this year. It, it was on a lot of trailers this yes. year. Uh, right. so moving on from that, we have more Star Wars. They did... This is something I was sort of on the fence about whether or not they were going to do this. They had Star Wars Battlefront 2 on stage. Again, Dennis from DICE. He seems like a really sweet guy. I feel really bad for him. He seemed really nervous to be there. Yeah, because they basically made him go out there and fucking commit, like, video game seppuku. Like, yes. it's just... You know, you don't do this to, to, like, this sweet dude from DICE. Video game seppuku, fun fact, is committed with a Wiimote. Yes, it is. It, it, it's it's like in the movie Harakiri. It is very hard. It is very <laughs> brutal. It takes a long time. It's rough. Um, anyways, I have a quote here that he said that they clearly didn't get it right, which was a brutal thing to have to hear from a developer. Again, like this is something that Andrew Wilson should be saying, not Dennis from Dice. Um, 
So then, I've just got to read some of my notes here. They are doing the full mea, mea culpa thing like I thought. He's talking about how they have updated and improved the game. There is solo content coming soon with Kessel that's associated with the movie. They are just now showing looped footage while Dennis from DICE is talking. So this is the first time that they're just like, we're just showing like GIFs. Which is super bizarre because this is a video game that is literally already out. Like, yes. you could have just put a, like, stream from Twitch on the screen and had more footage than, like, the, like, hip of Han Solo, like, that's probably the new, like, model for Han Solo from the movie, and then, like, a, like, sky shot of, like, the people fighting on Kessel, and then, like, a low shot going through a tunnel. And they just went through those three shots, like, five times while Dennis from Dice was talking about it. Um, they then said that they are going deep into the Clone Wars is what they said, which I disagree with them saying they're going deep. They are featuring content from the Clone Wars. There's no talk of anything from the, the like show, but only from the movies, because they have um, General Grievous. So if you thought that you were going to hear the name General Grievous on an E3 stage the year 2018, you were right. There he is. And, and they had a big picture of him up on stage. Um, they're having the Geonosis map, which was weird to me that Geonosis was not already in the game. That is the, the bug planet from the end of Attack of the Clones. That seems like that is a map. Huh. Because they already have prequel content. That's the thing. They had, like, Darth Maul and Naboo and stuff. That was their whole pitch for Battlefront 2 last year. I just assumed that they would have stuff like Geonosis and stuff like Count Dooku, Anakin Skywalker, and Jedi General Obi-Wan Kenobi, which apparently they did not have. They're now putting that into the DLC, which seems like you didn't have prequel stuff. You had Darth Maul and Feed from fucking... The first and from from Sean, minutes, and that's it. Sean, I thought for sure Battlefront Two had Obi Wan and Anakin in it. Is that the wrong Battlefront Two? That is the wrong Battlefront Two, and that's where I like Dennis from Dice a lot. One thing I do have to take umbrage from is him seeing that um, that Jedi General Obi Wan Kenobi was quote finally making his Battlefront debut. That's not fucking true. You could already play as him in, in the actual other old good Battlefront Two game. You can't say shit like that. That game already exists. I do love the. Pay $60 for a game and then pay more money for our game so you can play the content that was in the game that came out in 2005 that you could get on eBay for $10. To be fair, Jonathan, I don't think they're charging for the DLC because their original monetization plan, according to my E3 notes from last year, was that there was no money for the DLC and it was going to be the loot boxes. Right. So now it's not even the loot boxes. Well, so, who knows? So I'm just surprised that they haven't basically, that EA has not just buried Star Wars Battlefront 2 because as far as I can tell, they are not getting a continuous money stream from that game anymore. I don't understand how EA is letting that happen. It's just yeah. like they're all so embarrassed by it that they're like, fuck it, we're just going to lose a ton of money on this shit. All right, what's next? Up next is Unravel 2. This, All 17 hours of Unravel this 2. This was a pretty pretty long demo. Uh, it started with what I said looks like the beginning of Uncharted 4, but with Yarny. <laughs> uh, they're in the, the, the river and, or in the ocean, and it's like this tropical storm. And there's something like... there. I think it's because, you know, obviously you see shit in that like movies a hundred times, but it's like the video game aesthetic of it is like, this just looks like fucking the level from Uncharted 4 where at the beginning of the game. Um, but yeah, so this is the sequel to Unravel, a game that people seem to be very meh uh, on that first one. A game that came out. A game that came out, it was very, like, indie platformer with the heart. Um, the guy, the Yarny dude, who's the same Yarny dude from the last time they had Unravel on the stage, said, it, quote, in Unravel, we used yarn to symbolize love, which was a line that's like, there's something about, because here's, just, you know, this is going to the segue eventually into the Sea of Solitude stuff. There's... Something about me having watched EA's press conferences for like six or seven years now that they have done this exact fucking shit every single year. 
And while I, it is the best part of EA's conference is when they have like the earnest indie dev out on there. But it's like this segment is so fucking clockwork. Happens the exact same way every single year with the exact same kinds of indie devs giving the exact same kinds of speeches that it makes me so cynical about the larger corporate EA intent behind that that I'm kind of fucking done with it. Even if the games look good and I like the individual sections, it's like the larger like shit that EA is doing makes me so pissed off. Here's what I want out of this segment in the future, Sean. Make it more honest. What's the CEO's name? Andrew House? Andrew Wilson. Andrew, Andrew Wilson. Wilson House uh, was Sony. He's With cool. Sony. He's cool, yeah. Okay, Andrew Wilson, I want him to bring out the dev, be like, you've worked really hard on Unravel 2, I can't wait for you to show it to the people, but first, you got to earn your keep, man. And then I want the stage to revolve, and there will be a couch. And <laughs> the, this on stage, the dev has to go and look for loose change in the couch while Andrew Wilson watches and laughs. Or something like that. And then once he's found, like, enough money in the couch, then he can talk about Unravel 2. See, what I thought you were going to say is that Andrew Wilson is going to be like, you have to earn your keep, and then puts a parachute on that indie dev, and there's 99 other indie devs, and he pushes them off a plane onto an (laughs) island, and they all have to kill each other, and the last one standing gets to get into their EA Originals program. Well, That would be Battle Royale count number two. You know, anything could happen. Western yeah. democracy is in decline, John. It really is. Uh, so, Unravel 2, it's too spelled out, by the way, which I thought, that was, that's kind of cute. It um, is, because it's very co-op-centric. So co-op-centric, there's right. no online co-op mode. Yeah, that was a big bomb that came out on Twitter, like, immediately yeah. afterwards. Because this is a game that, this is where they did the whole, like, and if you look under your seat, there's an Unravel 2 right there. Because the game came out today. Right. Or, like, yesterday, on Saturday, when when they had this press conference. And, yeah, that was, like, immediately after that press conference, there was one of, like, like one game journalist just put out, by the way, there's no online co-op, which seems kind of weird. And then that got retweeted about a billion times. And everyone's like, why is there no online co-op in your fucking co-op game? Like, a way out. The, the the EA original game from last year that came out this year that had online co-op that was a co-op game like why yeah. it's 2018 you are backed by EA you're you're like you're actually literally not an independent developer at least on this project you are being published by EA yes like I also have you to say have a fucking online co-op mode the developer did say something about this later that they didn't have the money for it which again weird because they're EA but there's no Switch version of this game yeah and yeah. that's just this. Me- Obviously, that game would sell best on Nintendo Switch. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Every piece of data. Like, if you're at EA and you're funding this project, why is that, like, don't bother with the Xbox One version. No one owns one of those. You put it on the console where indie games go and are and flourish. Like, that's just a... It's one of those weird oversights. That, like, some parts of the industry, like Bethesda, have caught on and they're like, yeah. we're on the Switch train because we like money. Yeah. And some others are like, what? what? Money? Why? Swatches? I thought that was years ago. Yeah. So yeah. can I try to recap the Unravel 2 presentation from memory? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Start with the cinematic trailer where he is Nathan Drake yeah. on the island, but Yarn now. Then we had a long philosophical monologue from the dev on how Yarn is love now. Yes. Because there, were, there have been a lot of long philosophical monologues this E3. It, yeah, it has it's, been a bit much. Yeah. It's felt like everybody took a like freshman philosophy class yes. at college and is like, we've got to talk yeah. about this shit. Uh, Loneliness makes us monsters. Yeah, so he talked about it for a while, and then they showed some gameplay behind him, and then he got 
on the couch with the other dev dude who yeah, we're had like, trouble getting in. That when the wall spun around and there was a couch and yes. there's like his buddy on the couch is like, yeah. let's play Unravel 2, my yes. friend, very casually. And uh, they had not set up the demo yet and the, you heard really quickly like, this isn't set up. Yeah, and you see this like dev PC menu yes. pop down and so I suspect that maybe they were not actually playing the game and they were just like pretending to play it over yes. like recorded footage, which is fine. That's how demos work. But it's a bit weird that the game is out and that happened. But, but then whatever. they started the demo and it went on and on and on. And it sounded like two kids like using their parents' live stream equipment for the first time. It was so awkward. They didn't really do anything to like show off what made the game special. It was very weird. And when all that was done, they showed another trailer for the game. It felt like it was never going to end. Yeah, it has been a trend this E3 of doing trailer, gameplay demo trailer, and it's too much. It's like, you you can maybe have a trailer and a gameplay demo, you cannot have two trailers and a gameplay demo. I did tweet here, this segment on Unravel 2 has lasted approximately five years, by my best estimate, good god, this show is horrible. That's when, that was my first breaking point with E3 this year, Sean. Okay, yeah. All right. I, I said everything this dude says is fucking priceless and how, quote, generic indie it is. Because, again, this has... I've heard this speech about fucking ten times now on the EA stage. Yeah. Um, it's like this part of EA's conference has become parody of itself. They're doing a live gameplay demo. There's a ghostly apparition of a young boy that appears in the background sometimes, and it kind of freaks me out. Okay. That is my hot take on Revel 2. Okay, let's go on to the next part. Because uh, yeah. They talked about a way out for about two seconds and said it sold $2 million. Uh, said The dude said, a way out caught fire. And then he said, and you all loved it. And like he looked at the camera like, you all loved it. And no one clapped because no one's played that game. And he just looked like, you, you loved it. You fuck. You didn't. No, you fucking loved it. It was very creepy. Well, it it, it sold well, from what I understand, for a game of that size. But it did not... It was not well received. Okay. So it being caught fire is a maybe a poor choice of words. It's also like that the Joseph Harris guy, the game director from that, who did the whole weird they and they kinda like lampshaded this, did the weird like fuck Hollywood thing at the Game Awards last year. I feel like that dude is like one step away from being Weinstein. Like it's just there's something about him that's like Yeah. No, this dude is and maybe he's this that's bullshit. I just get bad vibes from him. Like, every time I've seen him on stage, it's like, he seems creepy. Stop invoking him. Then we get what is, again, from the, like, the meta big picture E3 perspective, I have, like, qualms about how they do this. But, like, from the micro individual perspective, the best part of this conference, uh, the Sea of Solitude presentation from um, the German developers. I wish I had their name here. I forgot what it was. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a studio that's based out of Berlin. They, she says this line that is a good line when people get lonely. They turn into monsters, which, you know, that spoke to me. That Her soliloquy about loneliness and the human condition was a beautiful thing. That it was delivered in a German accent, just perfect. It, yeah, it adds um, the right level of, like, misanthropy or something to yes. it. Yeah. Uh, like, the only way it could have been better is I want to do a Kickstarter to take a transcript of that speech and have Werner Herzog read it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. That's the only way it could be better. But that was great. We saw there was very little of the game. It looks like there's a trailer. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the art style is very Wind Waker esque, like how it does sure, water yeah, and that, stuff. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm excited for that. It looks yeah, cool. It had like a like 
not like jump scare horror vibe, but kind of like a sort of like psychological yes. horror thing to it. I really like the weird character designs. It's sort of like vaguely surreal yeah. um, with its approach. There's another line I had here that I wrote down that I love that she said, Every human being has experienced or can remember experiencing the feeling of loneliness. Yes. Which is just like, I want that, if they release a physical version of this game, I want that on the back of the box. Yes. Like in the big font at the top of the game, you know, at the top of the back of the box. It's like everybody can remember the feeling of loneliness. Yes. All right, so that was yeah. good. Then what? Uh, then we had... Uh, NBA. NBA. Well, you kind of talked about that. Um, I wrote down a quote here. Basketball is the soul of humanity striving against the futility. Oh, th- th- okay, this was my thing. See, basketball game trailers are fun and high energy. They do not do the thing of saying basketball is the soul of humanity striving against the futility of life, improving ourselves as champions of our own destiny. I, I just appreciate that it can be fun because it's basketball. Um, so they're making another basketball game. Then Madden happened. The Madden one was a bit weird. Because that was they, the douchiest trailer I've ever seen. It's got a douchey trailer, but they started with all this weird esports stuff that they've well, done. That's with what Madden. I'm talking about. Oh, okay, because that's not a trailer. That's people. Oh, they had a yeah. little video package. I forgot yeah. about that. Yes, so they had a football dude that people seem to like. The no, football dude. I like the football dude. No, they had a guy who plays football in a video game, dude. Well, I was going to say they have a football dude and young kid. Oh, okay. The I'm Madden sorry. 18 champion. I see what you mean. Okay. I'm, I'm well they had aware. A real football dude and a yes, fake a real football dude. football dude that had a great pair of pants. Yes. Um, and young kid, the Madden 18 champion. Um, this is where I note that they split up the sports game section, which was weird. That they did FIFA and then they did some other stuff and then they did NBA and Madden and usually they just you know stab you in the soul and put all the sports games in one spot I can't decide if this was better or worse because it's kind of like that do you rip off the bandaid or do it slowly thing of like yeah. I kind of liked having it all be in one soul crushing block because then once that was over I knew I was done with it when FIFA happened and then Madden didn't immediately have to nap after that I had like a weird anxiety of like when is Madden happening when can I go take a piss like yes. when is the break that I could stop caring I just I look esports writ large is cool. I'm glad that people are good at that. Yeah. It's neat. There are certainly some like particularly like speed running communities that I find very interesting and cool. I'm never going to care about someone being good at a video game representation of an actual sport they could just go out and play. I I can't do it. It's where I draw the line. It's t- I hope I'm not offending anyone. If I am, I apologize. It's it's the old person in me. I can't do it. No. No, I basically agree that it's like, I mean, you know, again, if you're into Madden, that's your thing. That's cool. But I I just, I don't feel like the Madden esports scene is big enough to warrant this. Yeah. It's not fucking League of Legends. It's not Dota. It's not Street Fighter. It's yeah. Madden. It's like, that's fine. And that's cool. Was, all but right. it's Madden. So was the next thing, because I am reading one of my tweets, and I didn't actually say what it was, but I wrote, what the hell were we watching there? This show is so bad. EA hates us, and this is an active form of torture. Was that the mobile game demo? Yes. Before <laughs> we get to that, one last note on Madden 19, and I do like that, even though you don't say what it is, that is a perfect description of the section. Yes. But they did show a Madden 19 trailer, and to finish up my rants about the fucking weird tone in these goddamn sports game trailers, I'm just going to read my notes here. Um... You fall so you can rise. This is a direct quote. You fall so you can rise. You rise so you can truly see. See that it wasn't about seeing the road at all, but seeing all the moments that got you here. Will you let the moments define you, or will you define the moment? And then I say, it's fucking football. It's a game. Have fun. Have fun with it. Who fucking watches that trailer and is like, I want to go out and fucking, you know, play catch with my dad. It's like, it's fucking football. Get over yourselves. It's 
not like the world to fire. It's not like a game about like the fucking impact of 9-11 on America. It's fucking football, guys. It's not about you defining the moment or the moment. It's fuck off. I can't wait for 9-11 2K19. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. All right. Yes. Then after that is when my notes just say, shoutcasters on stage, oh no. And this is the beginning of... The the second train wreck after the Star Wars thing. The second major train wreck after the Star Wars thing at EA stage. This was the mobile filibuster. Yes, this was... They did a full match of what... They didn't say the title at the beginning, which was weird. I kept on trying to figure out what the fuck the game was. It is a Command and Conquers game, which is an old RTS uh, PC franchise that kind of went away for a while. EA picked it up, kind of never did anything with it. Now it's back. Um, called Command and, Conquer's Rival- Command and Conquer Rivals, and they did a full shoutcasted esports presentation style match between two people um, in control who I've heard about. He's like a StarCraft guy. Another guy who I've never heard of, um, whose who's label was Nick at Night, which every time they said that really made me laugh. It's like, that's a very funny... I wish it was like Nick at Night fighting Toonami or something. It's just like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? Um... But yeah, so it was a just a match of this mobile game that isn't out. It wasn't even like it, and now you can play it on like the App Store. It was like you can sign up for a pre-alpha or something. Uh, it, and you just had to watch this like five-minute mobile game. And so I think the only way I can do this is by just reading now what I have here. Um, Shoutcasting a mobile game no one's seen before understands. What a great idea. They're explaining the game on stage because you can't have an esports competition when no one knows the rules or mechanics of the game. Why would you do this? Why is EA so desperate about this esports stuff? One dude's handle is Nick at Night, which is pretty good. I have no idea what I'm looking at. I don't think they even said the name of the game. Why? Why didn't, when they were previewing what they were going to show at the top of the show, say, and then we're going to waste everybody's time by sucking the esports dick for five minutes while two dudes desperately try to shoutcast the game that nobody knows about, nobody cares about, and nobody can shoutcast because there's no foundation for the esports yet. Uh, Nick at Night lost. Quote, that was epic. No, it wasn't, because I literally don't know what I was looking at. Command and Conquer Rivals, ha 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 ha, this is what they're doing with the Command and Conquer license. Oh, fuck, dude, this whole segment was way more tragic than I realized. Yes. I don't know if there's anything else to say about that. that fuck that part. All right, new one's Anthem, right? Um, yeah, Andrew Wilson went on stage really quickly. Uh, I don't know if anything happened here. Uh, this is where they talked about some of the charity stuff, which is cool, but also, like, they're doing it for tax breaks, so whatever. It's EA. Moving on. Anthem. So yes, this is where all the Anthem shit happens. So this is the last part of the EA show. And I am so conflicted about everything about how, like, Anthem and how they showed it and everything involved with this presentation here. Yeah, I liked it at first because I liked the... So they showed a trailer, which is fine. Expected a trailer. Yeah, like a two-minute cinematic yeah. trailer. Yeah. And then they brought out uh, Casey Hudson. Yes, Casey Hudson, um, Mark Dara, and Kathleen Rotzhart. Kathleen being the lead writer. Yes. Um yeah. And Andrea, Andrea Renee, Andrea yeah. Renee interviewed them, and I liked that element of like just hearing them talk about it. I think she asked some good questions. I think the, the people had some good answers about like Casey Hudson had a good answer about why he left Bioware and came back, and how he wanted this to be a like Bioware defining game. And I think the uh, the writer had some good notes about like how they wanted to build the lore, and they had some good ideas about how they were explaining the single player multiplayer split and stuff. But it all felt so kind of... Because 
This kind of thing can work. Like, Nintendo does this on their treehouse segments, but those run, like, 30 minutes, and they get very in-depth. And aren't they usually, like, playing the game while yes. it's happening? Because I've watched some of yeah. those. And, and they're great. Yeah. You really get a feel for it. And Nintendo also, they tend to do that with games that, like, are done and they're ready to put out. Yeah, like which, the Metroid one. Yeah. And, and I think I watched, like, a Pokemon one were the ones I paid attention yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Nintendo is far enough along that they can do that. Um but this, like, was so surfacy, and then they showed a really quick cut, chopped-to-hell demo that I couldn't make hide yeah, the error. editing on the demo was terrible. Terrible. And I just walked away being like, I don't know what this game is. It doesn't look like it's ready for February. It doesn't feel like a cohesive game. It's impossible not to compare it to Destiny. Mm-hmm. And... I, but even Destiny, I had a better sense of what Destiny was six months out from Destiny than I do this. Yeah. This, it's garbledygook. I hope it's good. It, some things look neat about it. I like hearing from the smart developers, but they don't seem to have any idea how to pitch this game. And the last time Bioware had no idea how to yep. pitch a game was a disaster. So I don't know what this game is. I I am fairly confident that it is not going to come out February 22nd, 2019. I think this is yeah. going to get pushed to... I think this is going to get Mass Effect Andromeda, and it's going to get pushed to the end of March, which is the end of the fiscal year for EA, and they're going to dump it out whether the game is done or not, which makes me very concerned because while I really like the idea of... And I like having devs on stage talking about their games. Like that's I like that at E3. That's one of the things I loved about the Bethesda conferences, that there was a lot of that. And a it lot can of, be done well, and it can be done poorly, yeah. though. And it's, yeah, it's not about like the method of having the, the devs on stage. It was that like we had no... It's kind of like with the eSports um, mobile thing. Like If you don't have the context, there's you can't understand it. If you don't know the rules of Anthem in an abstract sense... I don't, I can't absorb any of the information that you're talking about. And it was such a weird thing of them having like three pieces of concept art and like a couple of GIFs, basically. Of, it was obviously wasn't literally GIF, but some like looped footage from the trailer while they were talking about all this stuff is you have like, this is not an improvised Q&A session. This is heavily rehearsed. You knew you were doing this beforehand. You did your fucking Twitter questions that you like handpicked out. And so you should have either had someone playing the game live or had curated direct footage, concept art, screenshots, whatever, for each of your talking points that you can refer to directly. Because if you, if I don't know what the game is, because I haven't played the game, the game's not out yet in any capacity, beta, whatever, it's like you've only seen, there's only been one trailer of it before this E3, I'm not going to absorb shit about what you're talking about, about the lore and like the big picture aspects of this game, because I don't I can't even like picture what you're talking about yet. I have no experience with the game. You need to have something to refer to. It's like, you know, it's like somebody giving a PowerPoint presentation and not having any idea how to use their PowerPoint. It's like you can't just have random bullshit up on that PowerPoint and never integrate it into your presentation because people are either going to be reading the PowerPoint, not paying attention to what you're saying, or paying attention to what you're saying and not absorbing anything on the PowerPoint and just destroys both of like the, the information feeds. Also, there came a point where like Having the devs talk in fairly vague terms about a game we know nothing about. Yeah, because they over, can't give too much away because no. it's, you know, pre-release shit. But having them say that over a reel of repeating concept art yeah. made it sound like a game that they were thinking about maybe making one day five years down the road. Not a game that's coming out in six months. Yeah. It was a just a bad, bad way to do it. Yeah, so the presentation model was terrible. And then when they did the demo... No it, idea what it was. it was. So it was just like one of the worst put together demos I've seen at one of these shows, especially for a game like Anthem, you know. And it was something that when then 
Bethesda, which I think Bethesda in many ways is like the near opposite of the EA press conference. If like they showed, I'm way more interested in Anthem conceptually than Rage 2, but that Rage 2 demo video that they did at Bethesda conference was so much better at doing all the shit that the yes. Anthem one needed to do of taking you like from like what is like the beginning of a mission through the middle, getting basically to the end, and then teasing a big fight at the end. Like both of those demos did that same thing. But Rage 2 did it with a much better editing style. They focused on, like, the, like, you know, it was very clear when, oh, we're using a cool power here and I'm going to pay attention to that. It's like, here's a new weapon or whatever. I can kind of pay attention to that. It's, it's presented in a way that's very cogent for someone that has never played Rage 1 before. It's like, doesn't know anything about that game. Like, I watched Rage 2 and I understood everything that was going on. Yes. To be fair, it's a first person, open world first person shooter. There's more context for that, anyways. But it's like, Anthem, you need to show me. You, like, going to a quest giver, getting a quest, like, teaming up with people, going out, like, starting the quest, killing some enemies, getting loot. Is there loot in this game? I don't know, because they didn't show any loot dropping, they didn't show anyone equipping loot. All I know is you can customize the loot of your characters. I assume that there's loot, but they don't show that part of the process of playing the game. And so, so, like, the big picture could, like, sort of gameplay, like, loop that you go through, they don't demo that for you at all with this demonstration and for a game that's so close to release that's really bad so here's the thing million dollar question I think Mass Effect Andromeda had a very similar pattern of oh, yeah. of show, being shown off at, at, at it, least Anthem didn't get showed off at like the, the presentation for the PS4 Pro which was the first right. time we saw real footage of Mass Effect Andromeda running for people who forgot but that happened with Mass Effect Andromeda we now know from reporting and from the finished game, well, unfinished game, <laughs> that it happened because the game was not, there was nothing to show. The game yeah. was not finished, it was not in a playable state, they could not show it off. Yeah, I mean, it released in a practically non-playable yes. state. Yeah. Um, is that Anthem? Or is that they don't know how to market this game? It's impossible to tell. And my instinct is to say, do not pre-order Anthem, like, wait until this game is out and see, like, is it... Because it's like, it has two bullets against it, right? It has the shit that happened with Mass Effect Andromeda and, like, what that portents for this. And it has all the shit that's happened to Destiny and The Division, which are the other two games with this, like, general sort of, like, shared world shooter loot thing model. That both of those games have had significant issues in a lot of areas. Like, some of them are, you know, specific to Destiny and specific to The Division, but also are about, like, how do you deliver content, like, quick enough with, like, this sort of, like, active combat thing. And it's not an MMO with abstract, like, World of Warcraft combat that you can, like, create that content a lot easier. Like, you have to have curated, like, directly built combat encounters or shooter gameplay just does not feel fun. And nobody has solved that fucking problem yet. And Anthem is going to have that exact same issue. And I and Bioware does not have the pedigree of combat design that um, Bungie has that I can have like the faith that if I do get that Destiny 2 expansion oh, that I will have it'll... I will have fun playing the shooting yeah. part, you know, regardless of whether like the story or the big picture stuff that's going on, the minute to minute of that of Destiny, I was always confident it was going to be really great. Like I've enjoyed the combat in Bioware games for some of the Bioware games. I have I don't like the combat in like Dragon Age Inquisition for example, but like, like the combat in Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3 is not so good that I would be willing to sacrifice the great, like, companion characters and romance options and all, of, like, the core RPG stuff that feels like you have to kind of sacrifice to get this co-op shared world shooter thing with Anthem. I, I'm not, I don't want to make that trade. I would rather have the more traditional Bioware RPG. And who knows? I, I do think we're in a, and this is one of the ways I think Western game development is in a real rut right now, is I think a lot of these 
studios are, cert- are are chasing after this white whale that is uncatchable and doesn't exist of like what this big co-op shared world thing can be. Yeah, it's like it's not. It's an MMO without being an MMO because they don't want all the drawbacks of an MMO. Yes. But yeah. it is incompatible with the genres they make. It is not necessarily what players actually want. It is often. Uh, incompatible with the things they are good at as developers. It is incompatible with storytelling. It it may there may one day be the breakthrough that puts it all together, and it could be Anthem. Who knows? But I, I think everything we've seen that like Bungie has had half a billion dollars and multiple swings at that bat to get that right, and they've come I think very very close. But it ultimately feels like that's not a, that's just not a thing. It's just not a thing. Yeah, like, so I don't know. That's going to be something to talk about with Fallout seventy six when we get to Bethesda because it seems yeah. like that's doing a similar thing. But yeah, Anthem, I'm concerned. February twenty second, twenty nineteen. That's nope. what they announced the release date. That's not happening. All right, but it's not coming. It's not. It can't push later than March because that's not how EA rolls. So weird. Yeah, I just I don't. Someone needs to ex- explain the business side of that to me because. Okay, if you didn't release Mass Effect Andromeda in that fiscal year, you would take a hit in that fiscal year. Yeah. But if you let it be a finished game that you could make sequels and DLC and be a long-term thing, you would have multiple subsequent fiscal years with strong... You would not have to do write-offs. You would have more profit flow, revenue flow. Like, it's such a short, short, short-sighted thing. I do not understand it. And it seems like... This is the other thing... EA is also fundamentally incompatible as a company with these kinds of games that Bioware is making because they make annualized, crapped out sports games and stuff, and that's their business model. And that's it's Bioware is the and EA are the weirdest fit in gaming right now. I think (laughs) yeah, it's been like that for a while. Yeah, Yeah, like Mass Effect feels like the original Mass Effect trilogy and the couple of like good Dragon Age games we got feel like fucking miracles. Oh, they are miracles. They're absolutely miracles. Anyway, that was a really bad EA show. It had one cool monologue about the existential angst of loneliness and a decent look at a game that may or may not be a Destiny clone. Yep, I think that's a good way to wrap it up. Microsoft. Microsoft. So, first thing up, we we debated long and hard about whether or not there was going to be Halo stuff in this, and they ended our debate early with what was at first a very confusing, mysterious trailer of like, I, for a second, I thought, are they making an Africa 2? Which Africa, for those who don't know, was the PS3, um, like, to, like Africa tourism photograph, like, Pokemon Snap style game with, like, rhinos. It was not Africa 2. I wondered, because of the dinosaur rhinos, if this was, like, they were showing off DLC for Ark Survival Evolved. And I'm like, have they that, gotten that desperate? That that would have been weirdly... that That is what they would have showed at last year's Microsoft press conference. Yes. That they had nothing at all. Like, not even good third-party stuff. Yeah. But no, it wasn't a, like, mysterious dinosaur rhino game about photographing and having photos of dinosaur rhinos. It is Halo Infinite, which is a title I have heard rumored that I always thought sounded like kind of bullshit. Seems like it is not bullshit. Although, we basically got, like, a tiny teaser that tells you nothing about the game. It had the music from the reveal trailer of Halo 3, which made me very nostalgic. It had, like, that big, like, piano swell and sting. um, I'm not nostalgic anymore because I also think they did that for Halo 4 and 5. And, like, there's only so many times you can do the giant E3, like, musical sting thing. I'm Halo's too old, but that Halo Three reveal trailer at that E3 was very good. It made is. Me think about that, and maybe think about the the heyday of Halo. But yeah, Halo oh, Inf- Infinite is quote powered by the Slip Space engine. Um, at the beginning of the demo, at the bottom of the screen, in like faint text, in the kind of text of like that would normally say something of like you know your discretion is advised or like you know side effects may vary. It said game engine demonstrations. 
and was like, I don't know what that means. When you say that this is not like pre-alpha footage, but is a game engine demonstration, that sounds like a game that's coming out in like 2021. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know what this game is. We don't. They have no idea. It has the chief in it. And Phil Spencer said it's the next chapter in the Chief story. Yes, he said, We will join Master Chief on his greatest adventure yet to save humanity, which is another, like, that means fucking nothing. It's, it's like, this is an E3 that's making me feel old of, like, I have heard this fucking song and dance so many times now. You can't do the hyperbolic shit of saying that this is going to be the greatest adventure yet to save humanity. It just makes you feel like I don't want to play Halo anymore. Because it's like, the one good thing about Halo 4 was when you, like, did the intimate, like, lower stakes stuff between Master Chief and Cortana. Not the one. Got, Halo 4 is pretty good. Halo 4 is pretty good. good. Well, you know, the multiplayer got, was pretty fucked in a lot of places. I like the Halo 4 multiplayer. Just fine. It was okay. Compared to Halo 5. Sure, yeah. Actually, I maybe would take the Halo 5 multiplayer. No, you wouldn't. Halo 4. Yes, I would. No, you the wouldn't. The Slayer was better in Do Halo you remember 5. that map where you could just fall in and, like, the in Halo 5 and, like, Halo 4 had some fucking shit okay. maps. Anyways. Anyways. But, yeah, the, the point is that, like, Halo feels like it's over the hill at this point, and like this Halo Infinite, like it's. I don't know if this is supposed to be Halo Six. Like it's really conspicuous that he doesn't say anything about like you are going to like finish the story, like the trilogy that we started. There was no three for three Industries person. There was no Bonnie, the head of that studio, on stage. It is just like Master Chiefs in the game. But is it a side story? Is it a prequel? Like it looked like they were on Installation Zero Four from the first Halo, but that could just be a visual reference. I don't know. Well. So here's the thing, though. I said on this podcast, and you agreed with me, that probably what Halo needs to do to survive is a God of War-style reboot. Mm -hmm. Of, like, a soft reboot. Not necessarily throw everything out, but try to do something radically different. I don't know if Halo Infinite will be that. But what they are hinting at is, like, they, they did not come into this, like explicitly referencing a previous story. Which, like, if you remember right. the Halo 5 reveal, they did. The chief, it was a scene that was never in the game because that game got rebooted five times during development yeah. where the chief was out in the desert. He had his, like, the, the Cortana, like, because Cortana's dead at that point. Yeah, he had her chip. And, he's, like, and he had, like, the cloak on yeah. and the... I guess those were called the Guardians, right? Yeah. That big, weird Forerunner-looking thing? Yeah. But they, um... It was a very explicit, this is the next chapter after Halo 4. This was not that at all. Now, I think it. there were very few details released throughout the day from this. I did read at least one story that had some sourcing that this is Halo 6. This is the next game. They're not calling it Halo 6 because I think once you get past five games, you're not allowed to use numbers anymore. But, like, Gears 5 is going to be the last numbered Gears of War game. It's just the law. Yeah. But anyway, I. so what were you going to say? I have a quote here from Kotaku that I think is the story that you're referring to. And this is a quote. Um, I'm not sure who someone from 343 said. The team has... Because this is like both... I Like... I have very mixed feelings about this quote. The team also heard feedback loud and clear on the amount of time spent playing as the Master Chief in Halo 5. In Halo Infinite, the game will focus on the Master Chief and continue his saga after the events of Halo 5. Yeah. So that does seem to confirm that it is post-Halo 5. It's not some side story or something. But also that line that we have heard you loud and clear on the amount of time spent playing as the Master Chief in Halo 5 tells me they have no fucking clue, apparently, why people don't like Halo 5. Because yeah, it has nothing to do with not, like, like Halo 5 would have been probably a better game if you didn't play as the Master Chief at all, and it was just Agent Locke, and you saw the Master Chief entirely from that perspective. That would have been a better game. Yes. You know? no, like, but they've also been saying that for years. That's not a new quote. The 343 people have said that multiple times over the last few yeah. years. It, no, they have no idea. Yeah. But, but, well, I don't want to say they have no idea. They clearly are not doing Halo 6 as the traditional, like, just next Halo game. 
Because probably, I guess. Probably, probably, I mean, we know so little about the game that I'm not even confident in saying that. Like, we know yeah, they're no, doing I like know. an art direction change at the yeah. very least. Well, so it's, I don't know. Like, best case scenario is they're trying to re. I don't know what it would be, but a nice big rethinking of what Halo might be. And honestly, like an open world style Halo thing. Halo, if any FPS could be built for that, it is Halo. If yeah. you look at like the history of that series and how Bungie would build these big, intricate levels, I think you could do something like that with Halo. Worst case scenario, is this a Destiny clone? Fuck. Because I think that probably, like, yeah. honestly, that's probably what it is. It probably is open, shared world Halo. Someone said this uh, twice today on Twitter. They did it for Halo Infinite and then for Doom Eternal. But they said, that sounds like a great name for a game you plan to have an, as an ongoing platform for releasing huh. content, not for discrete. I hadn't release. thought about that in regards to Doom, but Halo definitely sounds like a, yeah. I think that, I mean, I, I think, I, I'm I'm worried about this one. Yeah, it's like, you know, I don't know what Halo announcement they could have made that I would not have been like, you kind of roll my eyes at, because it's just the state that that franchise is in now is so poor. It's yeah. like, but it is definitely something of like, again, this... In the traditional Halo cycle, this would be the year. Like, this fall, this November, would be when a Halo 6 would normally come out. And them saying this is a game engine demonstration is like, what the... F- when is this game? Like, what is this game? When is it I don't, coming out? This isn't a 2019 game, right? Do you think? I, I don't think you'd put... Like, they said multiple games. Like, like they put a date on Ori and the Will of the Wisps as 2019. If they were thinking that it was going to come out in 2019, they would have said that. Yeah, so it's like, I, it has to be at least 2020, if not longer. Yeah, who knows? I is it even an Xbox One it, game? It is the really, question. Well, no, I don't think so because I, I mean, they're already. I think Xbox is going to relaunch before PlayStation does. Clearly, based on Probably, what they said today, yeah. and yeah, I, I think they're looking. For, I, I think they're planning for the future. Like, I think that clearly, is what this is, conference very much was about. Like, let's talk big picture for a second. Okay, yeah, because Phil Spencer just straight up said we're working on the next Xbox, which I was almost like like a gasp moment of like because you could hear it in the crowd of like you don't usually say that. Yeah, um, like this. Yeah, this far out. Like um, they had a big segment that we'll get to on. They they have bought five studios yep. and incorporated them in, but they had nothing to say about what they're working on. Obviously, because it's new. Um, they had a couple of stop. You know, we've got a new Gears game. We've got a new Forza. Got game. like three new Gears games. In a three, weird way. Yeah, weirdly, um, and then a bunch of third party stuff. But clearly. Everything, if you look to what Phil Spencer was saying, because Phil Spencer is an eloquent guy, he's good at messaging, um, and he is very well liked in the industry. Like, yeah. you trust, like, the reason Todd Howard came over and showed the Fallout trailer they were planning to show later that night is because Phil probably just asked him to and they're buddies. You True, know, yeah. like, that's how it happened. And so if you look to what Phil Spencer was saying, and I think what he wanted people in the room to take away was very much a reading for me of like, we know we've had some rough times. We think we have a plan forward. We know we want to invest in hardware is important to us. We think we have good games and we want to invest in that, but we want to regrow our base of first-party studios. And we are looking towards the future. And I think implicit in all of that was this generation has been a wash, but we think we can uh, hit the ground running next time. Yeah, like this, what this conference felt like, because structurally this conference is the same kind of thing they've been doing for a while now. Yes. Uh, you know, Phil Spencer, like, focusing mostly on Phil Spencer, kind of, like, segueing between segments. Um, a couple of first-party, like, games that get a little bit more gameplay demo, but mostly it was gameplay trailer, gameplay trailer, gameplay trailer, and they, like, that dude saying, world premiere, world premiere, over and over again. It's that kind of conference. And it feels like it is the next step 
in what all these E3 press conferences have been of them digging out the tr- from the trench that they found themselves in after 2013 when they announced the console and that E3 that year was so fucking disastrous and tragic for Microsoft and the Xbox brand that like each E3 after that has been this slow climb out of that fucking trench they dug themselves into and this feels like they're getting close to cresting it maybe of they have almost nothing like major first party to show like nothing that we didn't know about um but like they're made like the only things that they announced that were like oh were we have um we're putting more investing more into first party development by making a studio and buying four others even if do those actually three of those studios only made Xbox games anyways so it's like this kind of like a eh, quality of that announcement but it's like and then it's like we're going to we're investing in systems and like weird streaming cloud bullshit and we're doing new consoles and it's like it's very much we are looking to the future it was like Microsoft might an Xbox the Xbox brand might be something interesting to invest in in like 3 or 4 years but it feels like, I mean, like my, this, like a me, now in the immediate future, is a lost cause, is what it felt like. Yeah, I mean, my takeaway was, wow, there's a lot of games on stage I can't wait to play on my PS4. Yeah. Which is not... Can I also say one other thing? Okay. I'm, I don't want to be too negative, because there actually are some things I really like from this conference. Yeah. They, they showed off at least one exclusive that, no joke, I think looks phenomenal, and that's Forza Horizon 4. Of course, yeah. And I think people who just dismiss that as like, oh, it's their annual racing game... First off, go play Forza Horizon 3. And then look at that. It was truly a solid E3 demo. That was a great demo. It's just like it doesn't have a surprise factor. No, it does not. And it's like, and the problem is like racing games are such a like a generally insular kind of genre. The Horizon Dubs does good stuff of kind of trying to reach out of that bubble, but it's not something that can draw new people in. And so it's like if you haven't been interested in Forza Horizon 3 two years ago or two, two years before that or one, two years before that, you're probably not going to be interested in this one. Right. So, but anyway, what I was going to say is that I have come to hate the way Microsoft does these pressers. It's exhausting. It It is exhausting. They are so long. This one was two fucking hours. They are absolute marathons. Phil got up there at the beginning and said, we're showing 50 games today. And it sounded like a threat. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I knew that from like previous years of like when they said 50, they meant 50. You were going to look at 50 fucking games in two hours. And it's too much. Like, have they really not... I mean, I was going to say, have they not watched a Sony conference and tried to mimic that? But they can't because they don't have any, enough games to show. But the just the exhaustion factor of trailer after trailer after trailer, and it feels like something you would watch as pre-roll for someone else's show as just like a trailer reel, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's just exhausting. And they only did two deep dives. They did Forza Horizon 3, 4... Yeah, that Forza Horizons 5. That fucking Walmart demo or leak has so fucked up my numbering. I cannot remember which Horizon we're on because I remember I played 3 and they announced 5, <laughs> Horizons 5, and I just cannot remember that we are on 4. It's so good. Anyway. I love the post-Canadian Walmart world we yes. live in now. Anyway, but they did that and then they did an even longer for some reason demo of The Division 2, a game that is not yeah, exclusive yeah, to their platform. Forever. Went on forever. Even Gears 5 at the end had a long segment, but it was not a demo, and I would not call it in-depth. So, like, overall, there were only two, like, actual, like, let's play a game. And the reason, like, you and I have come to so enjoy the Sony thing is that they've found this really nice groove of, like, we're only going to show seven or eight games. Yeah, we're going to do a nice deep... Big games. Yeah, yeah. big games. We're going to deep dive. We're going to show you why you should be excited for this game. 
And that's cool, and you get to hear from devs, and you get to see, like, the game in progress, and it's a very neat thing. Nintendo is good at this kind of thing, too, of, like, we're going to focus on what we're going to show you. It's not just going to be a run of shit. And Microsoft is a run of shit. Most of it has nothing to do with the Xbox platform other than you can play it there if you're one of the 30 million people who own one. Right. You know, and I don't get it. I don't get why this is... There's, I mean, I get it in the sense that what they are pitching as is, you know, Xbox is the best place to play all this stuff. Look at all the stuff you can play on Xbox. But if you are at all multi-platform, it, there's just no focus to it. There's no and, shape. Yeah. And it's something of where it's like, I, if you are a big Xbox fanboy, like, sure, like, you enjoy this, like, oh, cool, I'll, I'm, I can't wait to play Sekiro and Shadow of the Tomb Raider and fucking Dying Light 2 or, like, like all those games. It's like, well, you know, there's going to be, like, five games, probably, that Microsoft showed that is going to interest to you because it's like they showed a shit ton of fucking games. And, but, like, for me, it's just like, this does nothing to convince me to get back into the Xbox, like, brand or family. Yeah. Whereas like, I think every year on the Sony stage, if you don't yet own a PS4, something there will make you want to buy a PS4. Yeah, because you can only play it yeah. on, on PS4. Yeah, Sony shows nothing these days that is not an exclusive. Yeah, like, the only thing they show that's exclusive is stuff that they have, like, a specific exclusivity partnership with Activision. It's like right. Destiny and Call of Duty, that's yeah. Um, all right, so let's go through the... It, yeah, but I just want to point out really quick, like, sort of, like, pursue it to all that stuff of, like, the Microsoft approach to, we're going to just throw 100 game trailers at the, the wall, and hopefully you like some of them, and hopefully don't pay enough attention to where you can buy these games, is that at last year's E3, E3 27, according to my notes, they said that they, are, they were going to feature 42 games and 22 console exclusives. This year, Phil came on stage, and he said 50 games... 18 titles with exclusivity, which is such a fucking <laughs> phrase. Such a fucking phrase. Um, and 15 world premieres. Which the world premiere thing, the 15 world premieres, he also tweeted um, before the, the show went up. I think like a day before. But yeah, like it is just this like fucking machine gun barrage of video game trailers at you. Of like, I can't sit down here and watch trailers for 50 video games now to be fair about half of those games are all covered in one big reel in like the second third you know that that's how they did it um last year that's how they did it this year as well so it's not really showing off 50 games but like you said when you say that it feels like a fucking threat it feels like i'm looking at my fucking watch or my laptop clock and be like okay i guess i gotta sit in here for it's a like if your teacher comes into classes today we're reading 50 pages of the odyssey yeah and you're like I don't want to read 50 pages of the Odyssey today. Yeah, because it, it's it's a good metaphor because it's also like it would be hard to absorb that long of a stretch of like that contained thing. It's like if you focused on like 10 to 12 pages and did a deep dive on those 10 to 12 pages, maybe we could like really talk about the use of, you know, heroic epithets in the Odyssey. But here we are, you know, that's not the world we live in. It's, it's, a, it's not about like depth and intelligence. It's just about fucking getting through the content these days, Jonathan. All right, let's get through the content. Let's get through the content. Exclusive. Ori and the Will of the Wisps. They showed a trailer. It looked nice. That game is maybe going to come out in 2019. Very pretty. I should play Ori 1. I haven't. It looks... I mean, I don't want to be glib about this one. People love that game for seemingly good reason. This one looks good, too. Yeah. They they showed it last year. It's a nice feather in Microsoft's cap. Yes. It is one of, like, the few, like, little... Kind of like Cuphead. It's, like, a little exclusive app. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like... like, That's right. I kind of do want to play that game. Next up, um, another world premiere, or I guess it's their first world premiere. Um, this was one another like it so started out very good. mysterious, 
But it, um, it's the From Software game that was teased last year with the Shadows Die Twice thing. It's been revealed. The full title is Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. It's coming out in 2019 from From Software. And it's got like a bit of a Souls vibe to it, but it seems a bit more action-y with some like stealth stuff. It's samurai and it like more story-driven. Yeah, to, like, like yeah, more story kind of stuff. Just like there was a lot of narration dialogue, like setting stuff up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good, solid trailer. There's a grappling hook at one point, and that's very exciting. I, I thought this looked amazing. As yeah, someone who's never really gotten into Dark Souls and Bloodborne, like this also seemed like a, a, enough of a break from that that it's not just going to be the next thing. It felt like more accessible in some... And who knows? Finally, it might right, not yeah, be like yeah. that. This is a trailer. But, but it did show, like, there's. it seemed like there was more, like, adventuring, platforming kind of stuff. And it just... It was a really cool pitch for a game. It yeah, it, awesome. it looked like it had that DNA. So, like, for someone like me, who's a big fan of those from yeah. Software Dark Souls games and Bloodborne, that's like, I'm attracted to it. But then it also is enough of a deviation that's yes. like... It looks like it's because I cannot play Dark Souls 4. Like, it's physically impossible at this point. I love those games. They made a a lot of those games in a short period of time. So yeah, like Sekiro, I'm super fucking excited for it. I love grappling hooks. I love from software games. It's kind of weird to me that it's being published by Activision. It's just like, I like saw that because it was like the from software logo and then the Activision logo and that felt wrong in a way that I wasn't expecting. It was like, yeah. you know, fuck it. You know, Activision's a publisher. Why not? Um, moving on, this is when Todd Howard comes on stage to, to do the Fallout 76 uh, teaser for or the teaser for Fallout 76 that they showed that this trailer again at the Bethesda press conference for reasons that are strange to me. Um, it is in West Virginia, so they used the fucking country roads. I song. called it. I tweeted this. I said when he said West Virginia, I tweeted they're totally going to play country roads in one of these trailers. One minute later, I wrote, "Called it. They're playing country roads." I fuck because of course there's you. It's it's Chekhov's country or Chekhov's West Virginia. If you mention your game is set in West Virginia, you are then obligated to play country roads somewhere. Yeah, even if the franchise has an established musical identity that draws from like 30s, 40s big band songs, yep. which is what the Fallout franchise is and always has been. You still will play a fucking John Denver song from the 70s, which is not at all a part of that musical tradition, but it's a great song, you know? Great song. I'll take it. I like that it was not a somber cover of that song that was, that did well by my heart, because I'm kind of done with that trim. It was just a good cover of that song. Yes. Um, Fallout 76 seems interesting. Let's, we'll talk about that. Yeah, later. we'll talk that about that at the, uh, the Bethesda one. Um, next up, world premiere, uh, Square Enix. It's, uh, the, the, uh, Life is Strange. I actually like there's a I didn't have enough time to read the full thing but there's an article on Eurogamer that kind of goes into this Life of Strange prequel or Life of Strange 2 prequel Life of Strange 2 is not out apparently this thing they did not explain this at all is a prequel to Life of Strange 2 which is yet to be released I thought Life is Strange Before the Storm was a prequel to Life that is a prequel to Life is Strange 1 this is a prequel to uh, the unreleased and not yet officially properly like announced Life is Strange 2. Like this is it's really needlessly confusing the story around the game. It's probably why they didn't mention it. It actually looks pretty cool. It's called The Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit. And so it seems like it's a standalone free download that is in some way going to tie into Life is Strange 2, which it's not like a, from what I'm, the impression I get, it's like it's an anthology kind of thing. I do not yeah. expect the characters from Life is Strange 1 to appear other than maybe in like a big cameo or something. I do think it's funny that they are just full on making a Life is Strange expanded universe. Yeah, because right. 
I still would someday like to try that game. It's and now game. that there's a million of them, I'm never going to. There's yeah. too many. But this is going to be free. It's going to be on June 26th, so I'll probably check it out. And it seems like a good way to check if you're like into... Because for those who haven't played Life is Strange, it's basically a Telltale game, but good. So okay. It's like, I think it's worth checking out. I, yeah. So that's that's all to really say about that. Um, next up, exclusive. Crackdown 3. This is Terry Crews shouting at you. Crackdown 3. That's a video game that maybe will come out in February. Probably not. I did like that when it was over, there was such lukewarm applause. It was just like... It's like yay. the most obligatory three applause I've yes. heard. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't... I really like Crackdown 1. That game came out in 2007. It's been a long time. And this trailer like looked like a trailer for like Row 5, not a Crackdown. No, yeah. It was weird. They had no identity whatsoever, other than Terry Crews, which is a fine identity to have. But I don't know. I just hope the actual game is 100% Terry Crews shoutcasting at you while you play. Yeah. My fear is that Terry Crews is in very little of that game. Probably. That was my suspicion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Terry next- Crews ain't cheap. Yeah, you know, it's like you, you can't just get him for like a dumb five-minute cameo. That would never happen in anything. Moving on. Nier Automata. Alright. Nier Automata's coming out on Xbox. This was announced before the press conference. Well, accidentally. It was yeah, I, I can't keep track of what is like yeah. a real announcement and a fake announcement anymore because it's too many and it's all the same thing to me at some point. It, they're releasing Nier Automata, the, maybe the best video game ever made. Um, it's including the DLC. It's on Xbox. It's like... I don't... Oh, sure? Like, yeah. yeah, put it out on Xbox. It, this was one that felt... Absurdly desperate to me. That's like this is on your stage. Like I, it's an amazing fucking video game. I will never stop singing the pres- the praises of Nier Automata. It is a weird game to put on your Microsoft E3 press sure. conference. I uh, but it does fit the trend because we're about yeah. to enter the first stretch of this of them pushing hard for like Japanese games on the platform because again and this is the way it felt different this time than in past Xbox years when they've done this. Well, first it's. It's Phil Spencer at the helm this time, and right. he seems to mean what he says more than past Xbox heads. Yeah. Um, but also, like, this is not... We're going to try to make a play in the country, in the island nation of Japan. We are trying to make a play in America where Japanese games are resurgent in popularity. Yeah, and, and they are, like Nier Automata, like soft exclusives with Sony just because they don't bother pouring yeah. them over to Xbox because... You know, Nier Automata's... When that game was made, it was made for a Japanese audience and had an English localization, of course. But, like, it was... They were expecting it to have probably the majority of its sales or close to the majority of its sales in Japan. That is not the case because it broke, like, way bigger right. than that game should have. It sold, like, two or three million copies. So, you know, it's which is this thing that's happened with a number of Japanese games like Yakuza. Yep. Which are, again, they're not, like, Sony exclusives, really. They're just so associated with the PlayStation brand that they just don't bother... Well, because there's like no reason to make Xbox. If you're a Japanese developer, you're not making a game for Xbox because in your home nation, nobody owns Xboxes. Yeah, especially this generation. Like they tried it a little bit with the 360, but the the one does not sell at all in Japan. So no. yeah. Anyway, yeah. I don't agree with Sean that it's the best game ever made. But if you own an Xbox and you have not played Nier Automata, you should buy Nier Automata and play it. Exactly. Yes. You should experience it for yourself. And also, it's got a great name, Nier Automata: Become As Gods Edition. Yes, that's very good. And also, it, it has the DLC. So Play all that DLC and get the crazy-ass live-action music video at the end that I think I described on this podcast. It's fucking nuts. Nice. Moving right. on. Uh, Metro Exodus. Post-apocalyptic first-person shooter. At least this one is made by Russians. I don't... This... 
literally I cannot tell the difference between 99% of the post-apocalyptic shooters they showed today, and Metro is the most generic looking of them. Oh, God, I don't know. What is it? Is, was there a previous Metro game? There are two previous ones, Metro 2033 and Metro Last Light or I something like right. that. Um, I don't I don't understand yeah. what these games it's are. It's based on a series of Russian novels, and so it's like, I from the people who have played them like them quite a bit, and I'm kind of interested in it. But yeah, it's like I also thought that trailer did not do a good job of pitching the tone. I like they did the gameplay demo on Microsoft's conference last year, last year, and that did a much better job of pitching the like really dark nihilistic tone that like every Russian video game I've ever seen has, um, because it's a Russian video game, you know. So yeah, that's that's one of the ones that's coming can, out February twenty second. You can call it Donald Trump as a support character in this one. Yeah, it's you know, but yeah, get every, it, get it because it's Russian. There you go. So February twenty second, twenty nineteen. That's one of the like five video games coming out that day. Yes, or that might get pushed to March. I think this one comes out that day. There's, it's Russian. They don't. They don't. They don't push it off. It's like if they say it's going to come out. I believe them. Um, let's see. Then this is where Phil Spencer comes out for a second and and does his whole like this, all these games look and play best on Xbox One, which is something of like they paid some mouth and like lip service to the Xbox One X stuff, but never really emphasized it anyway. And so that's where I think I made that note because it was like, oh, right, that is part of their pitch. I'd kind of forgotten. Yeah. Um, next up is when Kingdom Hearts 3 trailer. Apparently, the King- I didn't realize that the other Kingdom Hearts games had never been on Xbox in any capacity because they no. re-released all those games a hundred different times. I thought one of those never would come on to Xbox. Xbox. It is kind of weird that this is coming to Xbox One, but they did not port the HD collections. Yeah. I do think those have some exclusivity with PlayStation because, like, at least timed because... They did that with Final Fantasy ones also, and then there was years later they came to like PC and other platforms. So I don't know, but this was a great trailer. Yeah, like, it was I a good have, trailer. I mean, it was mostly nonsensical. It was mostly nonsensical. Yeah, I have look. They're all nonsensical. Kingdom Hearts is if you look up nonsensical in the dictionary, it's a picture of Goofy with a keyblade. Like it makes no sense. But and, you know, before anyone asks me, I know Goofy does not wield the keyblade. I know it's Sora who. I don't know who's voicing him. Well, is that still Haley Joel Osment? I'm pretty Sora? sure. I I want to say it is. It he, sounded he, like a he, different person. He has played him recently. Okay. Anyway. Haley Joel Osment, star of one of the episodes of the uh, second reboot of The X-Files. Okay, cool. Yeah, was, that was a good episode. Um, but this was a good trailer. They showed off Frozen. Of course, Frozen is in the new right, Kingdom yeah. Hearts. It has to be. But uh, I did notice one thing that was kind of funny is that I'm used to the PS2 Kingdom Hearts games where they look like very crude CGI representations right, of... Yes. Disney movies. The last time there was a console Kingdom Hearts, Disney had not made a CGI movie yet. Keep that in mind. Pixar had. Yeah. Disney had not. They had not made a single one. It was 2006. So, and their first one is, I think, 2007 or something. Like so, or something like that? I think it was Bolt, technically, but doesn't matter. That's, that's a fucking deep That's, pull. that's the one with John Travolta and Miley Cyrus. I wonder if that movie, or that movie world is in this game or not. Bolt was pretty good. It's not going to be in this one, I'm guessing. But okay, anyway. I'll take your word. But now, you know, one, game technology has developed a ton for 3D graphics, and all of Disney's movies are CGI. So, like, when they were showing the Frozen stuff, it just looked like the movie Frozen. Yeah. And that was kind of wild. That's Have you seen any of the, the Toy Story stuff? Yeah, the demos? yeah, it looks really good. No, and all the worlds they're showing off, like, that is the thing that makes me want to play this game, is, like, the Wreck-It Ralph world, and the Toy Story world, and the Monsters, Inc. world, and this, like, it looks like really good representations of these cool places. And then in the smack dab in the middle of the trailer, Sora says, Roxas isn't gone, Roxas is in my heart, Kingdom Hearts! And I was like, 
God bless you, Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. I have no idea what you're about. There's a part where they just like cut to Mickey being like sucked into a black hole while he's like <laughs> screaming some nonsensical shit at another character. It's like, what is happening? Honestly, this looks like a good video game. Yeah, like, if you like not- Kingdom Hearts, I'm sure you're going to love Kingdom Hearts 3, but it leads me to. Like the because like, while I was watching this trailer, I was pondering some questions about Kingdom Hearts three of yeah. like how who who like I get that you want Kingdom Hearts three to be on Xbox. Who is going to play Kingdom Hearts three on Xbox? Like who has who is a Kingdom Hearts fan that is dedicated enough to this franchise to care enough to play Kingdom Hearts three, a sequel to a game that is like twelve years old that has never does not own a fucking Sony like like PlayStation four. The, I don't like know. what I, have you been doing with like I don't like I because it's something with Kingdom Hearts three. I can't imagine it is in any way possible to jump in with this game. This is well, not, who knows? This I, isn't The Witcher three. Yeah, they're not. There's not going to be like a five minute recap of what happened to the other games where you make some choices or something while you're like taking a bath. I can't imagine that you'd ever understand what's happening in this game if you didn't play all the other Kingdom Hearts stuff. Do you need to though? Like, honestly... I, me, yes. I okay. don't know about other people, but me, But that's 100%. the point. I do think there is a... Look, the the last time Kingdom Hearts was on a console, all the people who like Kingdom Hearts were little kids. Like, it's been... Not all the people, but, like, a significant portion of the audience. Like, my brother was super into Kingdom Hearts. He was, like, 10 years old. He's 23 now. Like, right. time has passed. I think a lot of people have probably switched console allegiances. I And then probably back again... <laughs> Knowing that way it worked, but anyway, but like, and I also think there's probably a lot of kids today who would want to play Kingdom Hearts who don't care as much about story continuity. And I do think it's there's a, I think it is the tales of the bell curve of people who are going to be buying the Xbox One version. But it is enough that you might as well develop it for that and make the money. Um, Yeah, it was kind of surreal to see it on the Xbox stage because I just those two brands don't mesh. Yeah. But, I don't know, like, honestly, I'm going to try to play this game whether or not I'm able to catch up with the first two. And it I looks look interesting. Or do you playing two hours of the game because and returning it? Because, yeah. honestly, I will probably enjoy it more being gibberish than if I actually knew what was going on. Like, that's that's let's, be, let's be clear, yeah. I mean, one of the things that is interesting to me, conceptually about Kingdom Hearts 3, that you kind of touched on was the idea of, like, obviously those games, part of what motivated them was, like, a nostalgia factory thing of, like, we're taking old Final Fantasy characters and old Disney characters and we're putting them in one game with, like, new crazy bullshit. And when when Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 came out, a lot of the Disney stuff in them was older, you know? Yes. It was at least, like, five, if not ten years old, like, the earliest. And so there's something weird about now there's been so much time that has passed between Kingdom Hearts 2 and Kingdom Hearts 3. Disney has done so much since then, acquired properties and put out new properties, like a Reggae Ralph, that it makes me what is like, like who? I mean, yeah, maybe there are a lot of kids that don't give a shit about the fact that this is Kingdom Hearts three and are like way into Frozen. But like, there's something. I it's hard for me to envision a ten year old kid playing Kingdom Hearts three. That's like, I love Frozen. I saw like the advertisement that had Frozen characters. I'm gonna play Kingdom Hearts three. There's something. It's probably it's fine. There's something in my like hot like my I head do, that I can't reconcile. That. I get it. I do think this game is going to be a monster hit. Oh, I for think sure, it's going to be huge. Yeah. And I, I will also say like I don't think they are unaware of the fact that it's been 12 years and that there have been a million spinoffs in the middle too. Like I don't think. Look, most people, the vast majority of people who are going to be playing Kingdom Hearts three will not have played all the games necessary to understand the story of Kingdom Hearts. No, maybe nobody has. Maybe nobody has. I don't know if they will be taking that into account or not. I don't know if it would matter. I think these games are fairly gibberishy on the plot, whether you know it inside and out or not. So 
I, I think, certainly from a marketing standpoint, they've done so little of trying to show like the actual story. I think Square is, depending on this, is going to be a big entry point for people mm-hmm. also. Um, now, I don't know if... What's his name? The I uh, don't remember. I don't remember it's not, is it Nomura? Is he... It's Tetsuya Nomura. Oh, he is. The, yeah, he's the zipper guy, right? Yes. Yes. He's the He created Kingdom Hearts. That's right. He's his baby, yeah. Because he, he touches like kind of everything at Square. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He left 15 in the last year of development that's to right. start this. Yeah. And that's why Hajime Tabata is the credited director on 15, even though for most of its life it was directed by Tetsuya Nomura. But yes. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't I don't know if... Nomura, I think, is in his own world of, like, he writes his stories, and, and you will understand them if you want to. He's um, like the David Cage of Japanese developers. Well, let's not. Well, like, outside of, like, the studio abuse, I mean, in terms of, like, the work that I think produced. he's... I also think he's significantly better at telling a story than that, but well, whatever. Uh, no. Anyway, let's go ahead and move on. Um, uh, next was Sea of Thieves continuing its 44-year hot streak of showing up on Microsoft's E3 stage. Yes, there, they, there's, like, a couple of expansions. There was a decent joke... It was like, oh, I, here's like this magical stone that, that prophecies the the palace of darkness and the frozen shores, and, blah, and then it's like cuts to a pirate dude. He's like, huh? and she's like, oh, you just want money for this? He's like, Bleh. it's like, see, if that was a joke. EA Battlefield Five was up next. All right, they showed the same footage they showed at EA. It was like they're like thirty seconds of story content, which is some lady jumping off of a bridge. Not really selling me on like this like deep interesting take on World War Two. I don't know. I was very surprised that there was not a like significant section of like a five minute trailer and demo on the show based on like that's what they said at EA that they were going to show more at Microsoft and they literally lied to you because they didn't show anything. There's maybe like two seconds of new footage. I was confused. Forza Horizon Four. This was or Forza Horizons Five. It was Forza Horizon 4. It was Forza Horizon 4. Probably the best part of their show in terms of yes. something that is not for everything else, obviously. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and also just I think it was a good, de- focused, deep dive into the game. Yeah, strong pitch for yeah. a... Like, like maybe the strongest pitch I've seen for a racing game outside of, like, Burnout Paradise. Yeah, I mean, because this is, you know, Horizon is the one where... If you've never played these... I think everyone would enjoy Forza Horizon. Like, if you enjoy driving a car in a video game and cool environments, you would like these games. Horizon is the one where they set them in different cool places. So Horizon 3, for instance, was set in Australia, and it's amazing. It's still one of the most graphically uh, unbelievable games I've ever played. And it's also just, it's got incredibly fun mechanics. The whole point of the game is like, this is your playground. We want you to have fun. We've got all these events set up for you. It is like the ultimate casual racing game. Whereas like Forza Motorsport is the ultimate hardcore racing game. And it's a really cool thing they do. This one now is set in Britain, which looked, was kind of an out of left field choice. I was not expecting that. Right. Um, Very cool. Um, the best thing about it, I think, that they announced is the dynamic seasons thing. Yeah, that which, was like the linchpin on their pitch, mm-hmm. which worked really well. Yeah, because Forza Horizon 3, it had two DLCs, and one of them, which is one of the best DLCs I think I've ever bought for a game, is where you went to this separate island off the coast of Australia. Or no, a different part of Australia, I don't think it was an island, where it was snowy and it was winter, and so it was this big like winter place to play. And it was really cool like how they used snow and ice both visually and as a mechanic for driving. And now they've built that into the whole game because all four seasons, spring, summer, fall, winter, um, they like rotate during the game. And if it's you know fall, you're going to have like leaves pouring down and that will 
change some things. But then if it becomes winter, oh, suddenly now I can drive over this lake because yeah. it's icy. And again, the mechanics are going to change. So that was very neat. It feels like a really like big reason to like buy the next Forza Horizon game of like that's a significant innovation. Plus all the other stuff they have. It looked very good. I thought the demo they showed was really fun because it was both like just seeing the game in action, but also they showed off the seasons thing. Yeah, um, I like that it was sort of co-op focused, and they I like that they introduced all the people playing before yeah. they started playing. It was a nice little touch. There's also something of um, on the stage, like for the whole press conference, they had two rows of TVs with like Xbox Ones attached to them, and for the I kept on waiting. Like eventually, there's going to be some huge multiplayer game that maybe will be a battle royale thing. It's going to be on this stage, and they're going to use all those TVs. The only time they used them was on this demo, and they only used one of those rows, and I'm yeah. very confused. It was weird. But um, yeah, it was a great demo. Um, I'm excited for that game. It's October yep. 2nd, and definitely one I'm, I'm excited for this year. I will. My Xbox is currently in a box in a closet. I will get it out of the closet for this game. Is it in an Xbox? Moving on. Phil Spencer came out on the stage, and this is when they make probably, I think, like the surprising and like most necessary like announcement slash move... Um, is this is where they announced that they have built one studio called The Initiative um, that's based in Santa Monica. So they now that's like another sort of first-party studio. All this also, like, in the back of my head, I'm like, I hope that a lot of Microsoft's policies with their studios have are, like, better now because they had more studios at the beginning of this generation, like Lionhead and the people that are working on Phantom Dust 2, that no longer, those studios no longer exist. They're not. It's not EA levels of a like developer cemetery, but it is like there's a track record of Microsoft working with studios, acquiring studios, and then shuttering those studios. So I hope that they have fixed the problems that have caused all that shit to happen. So they have made the initiative. They then have acquired um, Undead Labs, who make State of Decay, and so they just put out State of Decay two. So that's like that makes sense. State of Decay and State of Decay two are both Microsoft exclusives. They're only on Xbox and PC. So sure. Um, they've also acquired Playground Games that make Forza Horizon, and then there's a, a very cheeky little tease from from uh, Phil about, and they're also working on, they're taking their open world experience to some other video game, and that's, they are making Fable 4, because that has been the rumor forever, if he's making that, like, little tease, they are just making Fable 4, he might as well have just said it, um... Let's see, they did Playground Games, then they bought... This is, to me, the big one. This yeah. is the only one that like feels like, okay, there's, there's some substance to this, is they bought Ninja Theory, makers yes. of old makers of the, the old reboot of Devil May Cry. It's like, there's a weird Devil May Cry thing to talk about later. Um, but then also, this generation, Hellblade set Sinua's Sacrifice, they made Enslaved, Odyssey to the West, they made Heavenly Sword way back in the day on... Um, that was a Sony exclusive... So they are a strong, strong developer that makes great... Uh, Hellblade Series of Sacrifice is one of the ten best games this generation. I need to get around it, yeah. I still have not played that one yet. But yeah, so that to me was very surprising. Where it's like, them acquiring Playground Games and uh, Undead Labs is like... There's one more. Yeah, there's one more after that we'll talk about that. But yeah, those two purchases don't really like change anything about the playing field. There's probably like stuff that affects like... Their access to resources, maybe. But. There's that. There's the extra investment in playground games. There's also that part of the reason why Microsoft has been a developer graveyard is that they they tend to work second party, not like they buy a studio and work with them. Like they never bought Bungie, and so when Bungie right. was done, they just left. They never bought you know the people who made Gears of War. Is that Epic? 
Yeah. Yeah. So they when they were done, they left. And then they had to cobble together new studios. So it does make sense to say, you know what? These guys are good. Let's just lock them down. We sure. own the studio. And hopefully we don't carve it out like we did Rare. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So then the last one that they acquired was Compulsion Games, which that was the only one when they announced I'm like, who the fuck is Compulsion? Like, I've heard of Undead Labs. I've heard of Playground. I've obviously heard of Ninja Theory. Who the fuck is Compulsion Games? They're the developers of We Happy Few, which is... Right. Now, because then that's they then showed a trailer for that game. It's going to get its full release in August 10th uh, this year. And that, like, this is one that's just confusing to me, just because, like, this game has been in early access for over a year, slash, like, early access slash game preview on the Xbox. Um, it had a really good trailer in, like, 2016, or maybe even 2015, um, that, like, had that very evocative, like, sort of... 1984, like, people have, like, those sort of happy masks on, and it's all about these, like, weird drugs and, like, work productivity and all that shit in this weird sort of, like, dystopia. Um, but then from, I think they have probably, what, from what I've heard, they have rebuilt the game almost entirely, but everything I heard about when that game was released on Early Access was really negative. Yeah. So it feels, like, again, maybe they have rebuilt the game, and when it comes out on August 10th, a lot of people will check it out, and it'll be good, I don't know. But Microsoft feels, clearly likes this game because it has been on the E3 stage like four years yeah, ago. Yeah, and I was very shocked to see it again, and even more shocked that they bought the studio. But you know, like there must be something there for Microsoft to buy them. Like that, that I mean, they might just like the people. But yeah. like, so here's the thing. Yeah, I tweeted the other day when the Crackdown Three delay number seven happened. Yes, I wrote it will take either an act of God or a sudden change in Microsoft's business plan from profit seeking to throw our money in a wood chipper for Xbox to get out of this generation alive. It's a suicide mission at this point. And that has been my view for a while. Yeah. And I was thinking about it before the conference and I wrote something to the effect of my standard for starting to change my mind on that is if they announced today or pointed towards some new IP that was not just a an extension, like a cobbled-together studio to make another brand that's dead uh, and that doesn't seem like it would get imminently canceled. Like, that would be the kind of thing that would tell me they are healthier. They did not do that at all. Right, yeah. But the stu- the we're buying five studios, and as you say, some of it is not... It's not like they went and bought five Naughty Dogs. Right, but yeah. They did, like, it is still, that is the kind of thing normally would be a press release. That is wild. Yeah, yeah you Phil's, usually do not see this on any three press conference. Phil Spencer got on stage, and the implicit thing there was like, we have no developers, so we're buying developers. And what that is is a signal to, like, we're not out of this yet. We yeah. want to rebuild. I still think there is a chance the Xbox brand is in permanent decline and will not be around that much longer, because you know. Yeah. But, like... <laughs> There is something to the to be said about we are trying to build this back up. We are actively working on new hardware um, and and signaling that maybe we can get it right next generation. So maybe they will not be dead as fast as I think. It is also possible that these five studios will not come too much because if all they're using Playground, for instance, for is Forza and Fable, that's not gonna, nothing's going to come of that. If yeah. if if they immediately put you know compulsion games on a new Halo Wars or something crazy like that. I don't know. Fuck, but what like, if they if made they, a Halo Wars 3? But if they make the typical Microsoft moves, then they're, it's just they're continuing the spiral. Yeah. What they need is a healthy suite of first-party developers like Sony and Nintendo have who can make games at a steady clip. That are develop- like a diverse yes. range of games as well. So it's not just like, here's a couple of shooters and here's a driving game. Yeah. You know? And, you know, the thing is, 
Did this change my mind on my prediction? Not necessarily, but it could. That's the point. Is that it lays this, the groundwork for two e two or three e threes from now for there to be like and now like our new studio yes is here's their next game or here's Ninja Theory's next game. You know? But again, like again, and if Ninja Theory is thrown into, I don't know. Didn't they make a Ninja Gaiden at one point? Or is that that's a no, one. no no? I mean, but they you I know, don't know. the closest pick, thing is they made yeah. that DMC. Game. Sorry, but pick a random franchise that Microsoft owns, and it's like now Ninja Theory's doing it. Then they're dead. And Xbox is not worth paying attention to. Yeah. But if they can do like like if they can do the Microsoft equivalent of Horizon Zero Dawn or something, right. and like actually let one of their teams do something new and try, Xbox has not developed new IPs this generation. They just haven't. Yeah. Well they tried with like Recore and stuff. Yeah, and they we tried with not... Recore, like Sunset Overdrive and Rise Son of Rome. That that gen. Launch games don't count. Okay, sure. Um, <laughs> Sunset Overdrive, you know, now Insomniac's back in the warm glow of Sony, where yes, they have yeah. money. And yeah, so, yeah, and ReCore was, I, I like it, but they also didn't let them finish the game. So, yeah. I don't know. This is interesting news. It was kind of a radical E3 moment, but it is a setup for something we might be able to draw a bigger conclusion from years down the line, and not even, I would say, this generation. No, this is, yeah, because, like, if they're making big AAA games, like, that's... And they are just making these studios slash purchasing these studios, which means like they're probably not really working out a game. Like, and a couple of them, like Playground and uh, Play Dead or whatever the the, 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 the the that studio is, they have just put out video games. So it's like right. we are on like usually a big AAA game, unless it's working on a solid solid foundation like a Forza. That's like four to five years of development, right? right. So th- yeah, this is this is an Xbox Two yes. thing to be concerned yep. about. Uh, yeah. so, All right. Yeah. Next. Next up, console launch exclusive player unknowns battleground, which I guess never technically came out of game preview program. So I guess they're technically saying it's a console launch. Exclusive I was very still. confused by that. So thank you for explaining. It was I was very, very weird. confused because they say winter twenty eighteen at the end. So that will be the official release, not the Xbox game preview release. That will be the official release for the Xbox version of the game because this game was already officially released on the PC a year ago. I'm sick of PUBG. Let's move on. I'm sick of PUBG, and I'm sick of early access. Stop it. It scares me. I'm just... I don't, I'm, I'm done. Um, and I just, like, my comment here was, uh, this is not as big a hook to hang Microsoft's hat on as it was last year. It's yes. like, but, like, this is not a big get the way it was last year. Um, next up, world premiere, Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition. And the only way I can describe this is the first line in my thing was, it's like, is this a Tales game? Man, this got real anime real fast. Which I didn't realize at this time I how tweeted, naive I was. I made that comment too soon. I tweeted this got very anime very fast. So yeah. you and I literally had the same thought. Yep. Yeah. This this is like I mean sure like might as well this but this feels like kind of like with near it feels weird that this is on a press con like this isn't the new Tales game. No, and it the, is a remake of a Tales game. And they also announced this is coming to PS4 and Switch. Yes, and it's PC. not an Xbox exclusive no. anyway. No. And also like. Uh, which console is going to have the most attention on it for this one? It's going to be the Switch because oh yeah, like the Switch. Yeah, the Switch. easily like people are. That's where it's going to get the hype. That's where yeah. people are going to play it. Like if this were on the Nintendo stage, that would actually make sense. Absolutely, but, because it's also. The, I mean, I get that maybe this feels like a part of Microsoft trying to sort of like adjust its brand image. But yeah. when you had just straight up fucking anime on the screen, my brain like. The wires in my brain right. get frayed because it's like this isn't Microsoft. Like Microsoft doesn't yeah. put anime. Like if there's a Sony, sure. Like Sony will put like Nino Kuni two or some shit on their stage. But Microsoft doesn't put a fucking anime cutscene yeah. on their stage, and they did. 
Okay. All right. Apparently, this is one of the best Tales games. Sure. That's what people told me on Twitter. Yep. All right. I've, I've always been curious about those games, but I don't know if I have it in me to get deep into another JRPG franchise. I, I think I, I would die. Yes. Next up, world premiere. Uh, world. My, my next thing is Division Two? Question mark. Then Tom Clancy's The Division Two. All right. Don, it's it's. I don't understand why they had to show because this is another where they showed a trailer and then they showed a demo. Why do you need to show this weird abstract trailer with, like, some bullshit on screen with, like, two honest voices talking, setting up, like, the tone and premise of your game that is a sequel to a game that already did this? Like, I know, everybody knows what Tom Clancy's Division is that's watching this stream. You don't need to do this weird, like, shadowy government, and then the virus hit a button, and then in the America, but it's like, no, just show me fucking footage of Division 2. Why do you have to do this? Can I rant about this for a second? Sure, go ahead. The Division series is playing with so much imagery and so much language, <laughs> yeah. it clearly does not understand. At this point, the whole thing is frankly offensive. That trailer, they did this. There was all this different lingo I could point out, but the one that got me was when they they had this. this the narrator said it, and then it came on screen in big words, and then the words became crosses. Was urban warfare? <laughs> it's like they just. I don't know, typed out a Breitbart article, clipped out their favorite words, and decided, let's make a game out of this. And that's what The Division is. It's I mean, so to fucked up. Mind you, Tom Clancy's The Division, number one, is a video game in which you play as a secret government operative that goes out on the street with firearms and shoots um, homeless people and people who have escaped from prison. Yes. Because a riot, rioting has happened because of a, some money virus. You are an American soldier shooting, like... Oppressed American citizens Like that's not the way That the game is trying To pitch it to you But that is I played that fucking beta And that is what that game is Like yes. fuck so, you already I'm not on board With this thing It's the geopolitics Of this are so Completely fucked And it really does feel Like a lot of people Playing with fire They don't understand uh-huh. Like it's I mean, it's Ubisoft. It's a bunch of Canadians who don't, who are again just printed out a Breitbart article and doesn't make a game about this. Yeah, it's it's again like this being so close to thinking about all the reaction to Detroit become human reminds me of like why are there so many fucking French Canadian or just I think um, Dave Gage is straight up French. Why are there so many French people or like people of French origin and ancestry making all these fucking video games about like sensitive American cultural issues? Why? Like, make a fucking... I want to find out about what's going hot, like, right now in Quebec, you know? Like, make a game set in Canada. Why? Like, why, did, why do you have to try to, like, solve America's, like, struggles with racism? You're not equipped to do that, Dave Cage. I do love that someone could cut out a clip of you there saying, why are there so many French Canadians? Just <laughs> yeah. like you are just going on a racist tirade against fucking French Canadians. Too many of them. No. Um, okay. Geopolitics fucked. Even if that weren't the case, that demo was so long and so boring and so utterly generic. It looked like every Call of Duty game. It looked like all the other post-apocalyptic shooters. Yeah. It looked so fucking dull. It went on. It was the longest demo on their stage. Why does Ubisoft has a show tomorrow? Exactly. Yeah. Why does Microsoft take on the why? Like, oh god, I, please do don't let there be a big Division Two section on the Ubisoft show tomorrow. Please. I don't know. It's it's really. Weird. I was about to say, why didn't Microsoft show off one of their own games? I don't remember they don't have any games, but like, there really was nothing better you could use that time for. Then you could have just cut it out and had a shorter press conference. That, that would have been the best use of your time. But if you want to torture us for two hours, you know, Clockwork Orange style with our eyes peeled open, 
Why does it have to be this? I don't know. Yeah. Fuck it, the division. It's annoying. They did the... Because one, it looks... It just looks like the division. Like, I never yeah. played that full game. But I played the beta. It looks like that fucking game. So it's like, it wasn't a very impressive demo, so it felt weird to spend so much time on it, because it wasn't like, oh, they've changed so much, and it looks like they've incorporated all the criticism. It's just like, this looks like someone playing, like, you, if you told me this was a big piece of DLC for the Division 1, I would have believed you. And the other thing they did is Ubisoft went back to doing their weird-ass fucking, like, fake video game chatter thing of, like, the people playing the game, talking to each other. And there's just some weird lines of, like, Man, we've got to get you leveled up. I know. I've been, like, busy. And then another dude going, don't worry, I've got my crossbow and chem launcher. Which is, like, there was such a way of, like, oh, I guess the crossbows and chem launchers are new weapons of the division, too, huh? And then at the very end he goes, level 30. Oh, sweet. Congrats. And then someone says, so, game plan? Taking the capital back. I think we're ready. And that's the end. That's how it ends. March 15th, 2019, getting right in there at the end of the fiscal year. Division uh, 2. I don't know. Go away. Moving up, we had uh, Ashley Spiker, who is the head of engineering for the Xbox Game Pass, came on stage and talked about some stuff. Um, that they, She started talking about Fast Start, which is something that lets you start games two times faster. It was a very unclear pitch of something. I think it's like it, it uses machine learning to... Maybe pre-download games? I don't know. It was very Fast start. Fast start. She just said fast start a lot. Um, Let's see. And then she announced uh, Halo Master Chief Collection is coming to Xbox Game Pass. How is that not on Xbox Game Pass yet? That's what I wrote down. I was like, what? You didn't... You have this program and you didn't put Halo in it? It feels like they just forgot that that game came out. The way that I think a lot of people did after, like, the... Controversy, like... I don't even know if that game is actually fixed yet. It's fine, yeah. Like, I just... Like I feel like I read a couple of months ago of, of them being like, okay, we have another suite of passes planned. They are like, doing another, okay. but I don't know what that. I think they're more kind of adding to it. It's it was it's been fine for a long time. Yeah. So then uh, they sort of reconfirmed that Forza Horizon Four and Crackdown Three will be on Game Pass on day of release, which is just like I feel like they announced that that was their strategy when they did Game Pass was like our games are our new games are going to be on Game Pass. Like well, they didn't. That's was, that's Day recent. Two was, but that's recent. That the Game Pass has been around for a while now. The thing, this was late last year uh, ahead of Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves was the first one to be there day one. Yeah. So that's a recent addition. Yeah, so they just sort of like recommitted to that. Um, And then there were a couple of other games Ashen, Warhammer, Vermintide 2, Phoenix Point, and After Party. I know what two of those games are. Um, And so those are all coming to Game Pass. And then Division 1, Fallout 4, and Elder Scrolls Online Tamriel Unlimited are all going to Game Pass today. Oh, fun. So you have a game pass you can play Tom Clancy's The Division. If you're very excited about Tom Clancy's The Division 2 and you want to get in on the ground floor, you can play Tom Clancy's The Division number one on Xbox they, Game Pass. They started at this point throwing around the term freedom of choice. <laughs> yeah, with, I remember uh, that. Yeah. Talking about, like, like, this is why Game Pass is great is because you can choose. And I really, I really wonder how no one flagged that maybe as, like, God, where have we heard the term freedom of choice before? Should we should we associate this with our video game brand? Yeah, why not? Yeah. You like, wanna Google it? No, don't 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 Google it. This whole section just was like very aimless and confusing and it just felt like it you know, it didn't go on that long, which was good, but it felt like what Sony used to do in their press conferences of like another like arm of Sony would force them to talk about like some T V show shit and it's like, no. Like but this was quick. Whatever. Yeah. Um, then this is when they, to fill out their, their promise of showing 50 games, they showed a like blazingly fast sizzle reel of like 50 fucking games. 
Um, some of them looked kind of cool, but this is the third or fourth year in a row that Microsoft has done this, and it feels like this is such a... It feels like a disservice to those games because I can't write those games down on my notes. Even if one catches my eye, it's gone in five seconds. I don't remember what the title is. I can't, like... It's impossible to absorb any of that information, and it just feels like chest pounding at this point to be like, look at all these games that are going to be on our system that are on every other fucking system. Like, probably 90% of these games are going to be on PlayStation 4 and Switch. All of them are going to be on PC. And it's like, you're just doing this to, like, prove something to yourself, but it doesn't do anything to me watching this press conference. I'm just kind of done with that weird scissor reel bullshit yeah. in the middle of their conferences. Um, next up was a Shadow of the Tomb Raider trailer. Looks good. It looks good. September 14th, 2018. Now, there's, like, nothing new, really, we saw. Like, it was a well-cut-together trailer. Can't wait to play it on my PS4. Yes. that This was the part where I said in my notes, man, third parties must love Microsoft because they just get to shove all their trailers into their E3 press conference and get, yes. like, free publicity. Well, everybody except for Dead or Life 6, as we already covered. Yes. Uh, moving on. Console launch exclusive. And then I'll just say what my notes are. Skate 4? Question mark? What is this? A skating game? That's... What is... Oh, no. It's called Session. Okay. No, this was baffling. No details. They didn't even show like who the developer was. Nothing says 2003 like a good old-fashioned skating game. This video game is never coming out. That is my prediction. Like, okay. it, like it not having a developer, it not having like anything, it having no context, it being what is mostly a dead genre. I don't, you know, okay. Yeah. Also, Session is a bad name for that game. Um, next up, console launch exclusive. They just say, if this was a kind of a cool-looking trailer that ended up being for Black Desert Online, that weird Korean MMO that they showed last year. That's I missed that coming out completely. It was easy to miss. Next, world premiere, Devil May Cry 5. They're making they're making right. the sixth Devil May Cry game, but it's Devil May Cry 5 because there was, there was a good line. I actually liked the two guys from Capcom. It was... Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Hideaki Itsuno, uh, who's the, like, he's the Devil May Cry dude, and Matt Walker, who is sort of his, sort of translator. Um, and, but the Matt Walker dude had this line, he said, fans have been asking for a true sequel to Devil May Cry 4, which is someone who's, the only Devil May Cry game I played was a Ninja Theory one that I think is pretty fucking good. That kind of pissed me off and I don't want to play Devil May Cry 5 after you said that. <laughs> which maybe is petty, but still. Yeah. You have anything to say about Devil May Cry 5? I don't really even know what these games no. are, so no. No, Dante was at the end of it, and I was confused because he wasn't in for most of it. And they're like, okay, there you go. Console launch exclusive Cuphead DLC. There's DLC for Cuphead. It has a lady in it. I wish Cuphead were actual cartoons and not a game because the game isn't fun, but the cartoons are cool. Yes. Console launch exclusive. This game looks really cool. I, Tunic. Yes, I yeah. loved I wrote, like, I love... This was the one that, like, caught my eye most of just, like, one of the random indie announcements so far at yeah. E3. It's, it looks like a 2.5D Zelda-esque game. You play as a cool little fox. With a tunic. Gorgeous visuals, gorgeous music. I cannot wait for this one. Looked really cool. Yeah, there was also, like, the little bits of, like, the combat we saw looked a bit more, like, yeah. in-depth than, like, old 2D Zeldas. Yeah, this yeah. was... This, Forza Horizon 4, and our next game were my favorite parts of Microsoft's E3. So, Sean, why don't you introduce our next game? Our our next game, which I, I, I want to do preface this by, I have heard from people that um, are on the show floor that this game is maybe not great. Oh. But um, Bandai Namco, world premiere. Uh, I'll just read my notes here again because I just like the build-up in my notes to like the title reveal. Dragon Ball something, Naruto question mark, J-Star something. The art style is something, Jump Force, that's the title of the game, 2019, Death Note something. Fucking fuck yeah. This looked cool as shit. You can tell I, me about the show floor in a second, 
But you had Naruto, One Piece, Dragon Ball to get Freezes there, big 3D fighter, cinematic trailer, but it looked cool as hell. And then you had Light and Ryuk from Death Note. I was like, nice. It's been a couple years since J-Star's Victory Versus, and uh, I liked that game. So I thought the art style did not look good in, in that, this in that trailer, which is also how the game looks. Oh, okay. It's just I like it, it. It didn't like Goku looked weird. Naruto looks weird. I like Goku. I, I like think, Naruto. I mean, I just think it's interesting because they've been doing these jump crossover games for about fifteen years. Yeah. There were two on the DS. There was J Stars on the PS3 originally, is what it was on. Um, the DS ones were never ported outside of Japan. Um, I bought J-Stars in Japanese on my PS3, and it was only like two years later that it came out in English over here, and not dubbed or anything, just subtitled, and uh, ported to the PS4. Um, but this one, like, to be on one of the main E3 stages, like, oh, that's yeah. that's come-aways. I mean, it, it was one, like, like with Nier and Tails, yeah. it felt like this is weirdly desperate, like, Japanese yes. game. Which is like, they need to do it, but it still feels weird to me. And, like, there's something about, like, you know, again, I, you know... Eventually, I'm going to talk about Naruto on this podcast because I'm now watching Boruto, Naruto Next Generation. So it's oh like boy. I have to I have to unload that at some point. I do think there's a missed opportunity that Boruto is not new hot shit. He should have been in that trailer too, alongside his. Well, they didn't cut that on. deep. It was Luffy. It was Goku. It, it was, was Naruto. Naruto. It was like Frieza, and yeah. then there's a short teaser of Light. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, yeah. get, get the new hot shit. Boruto will probably be in it. Hopefully, we can only hope. Next um, up, world premiere. Um, oh, die! This is so. This is Dying Light Two. I like this game. Looks like this game looks way more interesting than I was expecting a Dying Light Two to look. No, it looks like a random post-apocalyptic. It, I cannot, Sean, in my mind, I cannot tell you the difference between this and every other post-apocalyptic game we saw today. It has zombies in it. I don't care. <laughs> yes, you know what else is going to have zombies in it tomorrow? Last of Us Part Two and Days Gone. And there's too many of these fucking games. We all make the jokes about the battle royale stuff. This is the weird dominant genre right now, and I don't know why they're not that interesting. I fuck all these games. I didn't even know there was a Dying Light one. What is this? Um, it is. Do you remember Dead Island? No. From Xbox 360, it was a game where you went to an island and there were zombies. Oh wow! And like, that is so. That is a studio named Techland. That then I I forget like the whole like it's such a weird legacy. I forget what the like the developer of Dying Light is. It was like in like I think developers left from Techland that then went and made a Dead Island two. There are no a Dead Island spinoff, and then they were going to make a Dead Island two, and that never came out. And so then the the developers that left Techland made Dying Light, which is kind of like. Dead Island, and it's a first-person zombie, like, kind of open-worldish game with, like, first-person parkour stuff. People like the first Dying Light. I never played... It was a game I always kind of meant to get around to because of the buzz around. It's actually really good. Um, the thing that interested me about Dying Light 2 is that they had Chris Avalon on stage, who is... He's an old-school, like, CRPG, Western RPG kind of guy. He was, like, the main writer on on uh, Planescape Torment. He was the main writer on Knights of the Old Republic 2. He was the main writer on Fallout New Vegas. All games which have really good writing, maybe some questionable gameplay stuff. And so he's he's a pretty interesting figure to sort of, like, be behind this game. And I was actually pretty surprised to see him on stage. And his whole thing is a lot of that kind of, like, choices stuff and, and interesting story and, like, a lot of sort of complicated interaction between different factions and you trying to explore that with your character. That's kind of his hallmark of writing. And so that was very much the pitch for Dying Light 2. So it's a game that, honestly, I would keep my eye on because, like, if... You know, Chris Avalon is a pretty like safe bet to make that there's going to be a pretty interesting story behind this game. Even if, like, yes, I agree, like the setup in the like big picture perspective is super generic. 
But as someone who's been a fan of his other games, like that was enough to be like, okay, I can pay. I'll pay attention to this. Like, there's there's something here. Like, even like yeah. zombie stuff can be good. You just have to like be good at it. I just I I remember once having a conversation with a girl in high school who did not play video games. Yes, and of course we're in high school. You know, two thousand eight to eleven. Yeah, you know, that era. Obviously, the height of Call of Duty, Halo, all the major shooters. Right. Yes, and she didn't play video games. She said. Why do you play these uh, like these first person shooters? Like they're all they're just the same thing with different backgrounds. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're, they're like Halo's very different than Call of Duty. And I was trying to explain. She's like, no, they're all the same thing. With like, I don't get it. And I thought like that was a dumb opinion at the time because I was a stupid high schooler. I get her now because sure. I am that with these games. There are so many. I generally don't play them. Uh, once in a while, like I'll play like a Last of Us or something. But there's just there's I don't think for a and I think it's a bad choice for a show to show they showed so Metro Just Cause Dying Light the Division they all look like the same game to me and I think it's weird to just pack those into one show because to the consumer you know maybe you have one or two of these franchises you really like and you're really excited for but otherwise it feels like you're watching the trailer for the same game over and over I will say that I think with Dying Light 2, at least they had Avalon on stage. He sure. walked through. Because they made a specific pitch for Dying Light 2, which was you are the, like your interactions with the different factions in the city is going to dynamically change different elements of the city that are going to change the kind of characters you interact with, like yeah. the state of the city. And they showed, like, here's, like, a very small snippet of a mission that if you make, like, one of these choices... Like, this faction will have more power and will kind of this sort of oppressive governmental regime. Or you can make a different choice relating to how you deal with, like, this water shortage. And that will kind of push some of those government forces out of the city. But then, like, sort of mercenaries will come in from outside because there's room for them now. Like, that specific pitch is interesting to me. Like, I will agree that, like, in especially on this, like, crowded E3 stage, it is hard for that to stand out unless you have familiarity with the history of, the, of what, like, what they're showing you. Sure. Next up, exclusive world premiere Battletoads. They're making a Battletoads game in 2019. Have you ever played Battletoads? No. It's an okay, it's okay. World premiere, Just Cause 4. Uh, <laughs> this is where I said in my notes, God, every single third-party game is on this stage. What is Square Enix going to show? They put all their games here. Yes. This is like very much what the show felt like. I didn't know they were already on Just Cause 4, and I still don't know what these games are about. This this was um, one of the Canadian Walmart yes. games that were leaked. It is about Rico. I don't actually need to know. It I don't is care. about Rico. He has a parachute, he has a grappling hook, and you shoot stuff. Okay, Just Cause? World premiere. This is where they had a Gears of War logo. Gears of War logo, and this is where... Because this is where I knew it couldn't be Gears 5 or anything, because they just said world premiere. They didn't say exclusive world premiere or console launch exclusive or any shit like that. So I was like, what the fuck is this? And then there's a little chibi dude, and I said, what the fuck is this? In my notes, I actually did write that. And then it said, Gears Pop 2019. It's a mobile game, a mobile Gears of War Funko Pop game. That... That is something we're in the darkest timeline. We're in the darkest timeline. That is something you would, if you were really (laughs) bad at your job at the Onion, you would write as your fake E3 article. (laughs) Like, and and I want to see if there's anybody on the planet who could have possibly predicted anything even marginally close to this game. How miserable did the person announcing this game look talking about it? Uh, Rod Ferguson. He's you know, he's he's the head of fucking the coalition. Like he's a. He's a respected video game developer who's been... I think he worked at id at one point. Like, yeah. he's been in the shit. 
You shouldn't be talking about fucking Funko Pop games. Treat the man with respect. He, he deserves it. He so clearly just wanted to get to the Gears 5 thing. Yeah. It's like the game I've actually worked on that we care about. Yeah. So I have no idea what Gears Pop is. I don't know what a Gears of War mobile game is with Funko Pop characters. I barely am cognizant of Funko Pop, what Funko Pops are, and I hate that I even know what they are. Yeah. I hate what they look like. I hate everything about them. I okay. hate what our pop culture has done. My next tweet. They're also doing Gears of War tactics because Halo War was so massively successful they just couldn't say no. To be fair, I think when they showed... Because at first when they said we're making a Gears of War tactics game, I kind of rolled my eyes. When I saw it, it kind of made sense of like the ex-communist of it. There's something about like, I can see that. I can see using the Gears characters and like the cover bait. Like, it kind of makes sense. I don't know if it's going to be a good game, but it makes more sense than doing a tactical XCOM style game with Mario and Rabbit's characters. I'll say that. Yeah, but that game was really good. Exactly. So it's like Sean, one that can Sean, make sense. Maybe Sean. this one could be good too. No, it's not. That's, no, it's I, not. I'm not as sure as you on that. It could be okay. The Mario and Rabbit's thing had like an actual like blood, sweat, and tears team going on it. With, like, I mean, Nintendo that could people. be the case here, and no, we just didn't see them, though. No, it's not. It's They're making Gears 5. They have nothing else. They can't whore out Halo anymore, because they ran out all the games, spinoffs they could do with that. So it's like, what else we got? But Gears I mean, Funko they, Pop? But, Gears Tactics? I mean, okay, the Funko Pop thing, no. That's horseshit. This game, I think there's potential. Okay. It's also, I think it's only coming out on PC, or they yeah. only announced it for PC. So it doesn't feel like it's this, like, desperate Xbox exclusive you have to throw out there. And this feels like something that, like, Halo a small Sp- subset of people at Coalition had this idea. Sorry. And were like, hey, can we make this game? It's like, fuck You know shit. what else started as a, as a PC exclusive? What? Halo Spartan Assault. Fuck off. That's, that's just disrespectful to the people making this game. That's No, it's not. It's a really clear precedent for what this probably is going but to be. That's like a weird twin-stick shooter that's already a genre that, like, puts out fucking 99% utter horseshit. Like, right. tactics games are generally pretty good because sure. they're hard to make. Okay, let's talk about Gears 5. Let's talk about Gears 5, which is a good way to say it because the logo, they showed this logo about five different times, and every time it was just Gears 5. They, this game, as far as I know, is not called Gears of War 5, and I refuse to refer to it that way. They did do this with Gears of War 4 also when they announced it. I don't it. remember that, so I, 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 I do never remember. called that game. Gears of War 4, I apologize, because it, it's Gears 4 and Gears 5. I believe in its original, like, when they did that first, like, demo, it was Gears 4 at the end, and they later, it was Gears of War 4. So this will probably be Gears of well, War 5. they five. can't pull that bullshit for too much longer before people just don't even call it a war. Like, if you want it to be called Gears of War, put it Here's in Here's what I'll say. I went into the Gears 5 thing kind of cynical. I came out yeah. impressed. I, I went into it cynical and came out cynical. Okay. I actually played Gears of War 4, though, right? That's a good point. Yes, you played Gears 4 also. Gears 4 was so boring and by the numbers. And part of why it was so boring and by the numbers is that they had... The lead character was J.D. Phoenix, Marcus Phoenix's son, who is a really boring, generic white boy protagonist. Yes, you see him in his generic, boring white boyness in this trailer. You do. But on the side, you have this character, Kate, who's like the girl character. But she was actually really interesting. She had a personality. The story was much more hers than it was J.D.'s. It's this thing in a lot of modern literature and, and, and movies and stuff, you get this where the default has to be white male protagonist because that's right. just what it is, but then the actual story is around like the female side character, and you're like, well, why wasn't that just the protagonist? Like, Ready Player One, the Spielberg movie this year, is totally that for me. The kind of like, well, she's got the actual story. She should be the hero. I thought about that. Kate's the hero in this game. She is, from what we saw, the playable character. Like, maybe it goes I back I think and it's forth. important to emphasize from what we saw. Because I saw a lot of people on yeah. Twitter assuming that means the whole game is her. Kate, I don't know. I, 
I would but not be assuming that. They very clearly centered their yeah. initial premiere pitch not around JD, but around Kate for the playable stuff, for the story stuff. It was about her. I don't know if that'll pan out in the game. That's not. I'm not saying this game will be good. I'm saying that that is a surprisingly, like, they listened. True, and, yeah. like, that is an actual... Like, that is not... You wanted more Master Chief. That is, we found an actual flaw in our game, and at least for this announcement, we are focusing on the thing that you all thought was best from the last game. That is what impressed me about this trailer. Yeah. As someone who didn't play Gears 4 and thus doesn't really have... Like, I vaguely remembered you and other people talking about that phenomenon of, like, the main character's super boring, but there's this other lady that, like, has a cool story. Yeah. So it's like, I like so when they were kind of referencing that, it made a bit of sense to me. But like, there's something about the scene at the beginning, like the fully cinematic dialogue scene at the beginning of this trailer, that was just like characters spouting cliches at each other. Like, it's like that's all the dialogue yeah, was. That's was all like the dialogue every- ever is in Gears of War. It's, but like Gears of, but yeah, because Gears of War is a franchise that's like over ten years old, and it yeah. needs to fucking move the fuck on and change. And it's like watching that is just like I can't, I can't give a shit about Gears of War. I can't, especially if you're not even going to call it Gears of War. I'm anymore. probably not going to play it, but I'm just saying okay. that's what was interesting. I also thought it was weird that Marcus Phoenix was in the trailer, yeah, was in this trailer, and he didn't look any older at all. And I remembered him in like Gears, the Gears Four trailer. They like they teased him with, and he looked really old. And this one, it's like he looks like he's the same fucking age. Like this dude has not changed at he all. He looks like the Gears Four character model to me, but okay. like he's playable maybe, in that game eventually. So like, okay. it, it, so he maybe does, it was like the lighting or something. Yeah, but it's like I just looked at him. It's like he just looks like. Marcus you don't see him in bright light. Like twenty years older. Yeah. Anyway, all right. We had Spencer saying that they're developing the next Xbox console. Yes, they are going to deliver on the future of play. Is what he said. He said Microsoft AI didn't say what that was. He said game streaming from the cloud, and he said they are developing the next Xbox console. And then, well, wait a second. Okay. This sentence was interesting to me because this is what I mean when I said he had an aggressive, focused pitch. He said he wants an industry-leading first-party studio organization. Sure, yeah. That's the kind of thing of, like, that's very... You're, you are signaling something. Whether anything comes out of that, I don't know. But that's very clearly, like, we've had a problem with this. Here's what we want to do. Yeah. Interesting line. And then, yes. Yes. And then, oh, no. We're going to leave... The, they're ending the E3 conference, but it's been hacked, Jonathan. And it's been hacked by probably what is going to be the best game of the year that it comes out because it's the next CD Projekt Red game, Cyberpunk 2077. Got hacked by some cyberpunks. Yes, by by the cyberpunks. Then you spell that with an X, by the way. If you pluralize it, it has to be spelled with an X. Um, for those who don't remember, CD Projekt Red developed Witcher 3, the best game of 2015, one of the best games of this generation. This trailer looked fucking awesome to me. Like, it had so much style and was very surprising. Like, it was not somber or morose. No. It was like... It was punk as shit. Like, it was in your face, like, people with fucking pink mohawks and just crazy shit. It had some kind of Ghost in the Shell-like stuff of, like, dudes with wires in their brains that just started exploding. Yeah. It looked fucking cool. It looks cool. No real sense of what the game, like, yeah. is, but it's, that's fine. It yeah, was a it's good the first teaser. look we've had at this game yeah. in, like, three years. And, yeah, as a Did good, you, like, teaser trailer announcement, it, it got me excited for it. Do you think we see any more of this game? Um, this, this year? No, not no. this year. I, th- I think this is, like, a next year we get some, like, gameplay stuff. All right, so I would not be surprised if this was a like mostly next generation game. Yeah. Like maybe there's a like a cross generation version. Yeah, I I would I don't necessarily think this game is in like 2019. No. You know? All right. Um, any final Microsoft thoughts? I, nope. I thought they had as good a console or a good uh, uh, conference as they could have had. You know. Yeah. Like they had they they didn't have anything to show because. This is like they have to make these hard steps and like big purchases of studios to start redeveloping 
some sort of first party studio like platform to make video games. It's like it's it's such a crazy problem because they're going to have two or three more years of like game droughts before that stuff starts sort of like flowering. So I don't know yeah. if that's it seems like Microsoft is backing the Xbox division enough that's like they're making a big play here. We'll see. I mean, that's the other thing. That this is the key thing to my whole thing, doom and gloom thing with Microsoft is that I do we say Microsoft, this is the Xbox team. I don't think people are aware enough of how any day that hammer could come down. And Microsoft's yeah. shareholders, let alone the people at the top of the company who are not Xbox people, could just say, look at the spreadsheet, say this is not a high profit margin thing, this does not fit, we are not a game company, this, this, this does not make sense as a business, and they could shut it down. That could happen any day. Yeah. Like, let's, let's not, you know, Sony and Nintendo need to be a game company. Yeah. You know, like, it's a different thing for them. Unless Nintendo decides, yeah, this video game thing is a flash in the pan. Let's go back to making trade cards. Yeah. Were you surprised there was literally no Minecraft? Oh, yeah. I did put that in my notes. No Minecraft, no Battle Royale. Unless no you mi- count PUBG. But no, no Minecraft, Minecraft Battle Royale, yeah. which I predicted. I feel really bad that I got that one wrong. I mean, it could still happen. But yeah, no. that doesn't mean that it's not happening. That's important. Surpri- it just means that they had this is fucking two hours of video game trailers. are like, I guess we can't fit Minecraft in there. Who knows? Time. Maybe surprise tomorrow night with the Sony conference. They're going to have a two-hour... Minecraft block airing opposite. What if they actually literally hack Sony's press conference and just show their Minecraft shit there? Yeah. One last thought. I think next year they should just rename this Microsoft and Friends because it's so clearly mostly There's not so them. many, so many fucking big third-party games. And it really did feel like as someone, you know, plays basically all the games on the PlayStation 4, it was just like, great, I can't wait to play, but like Sekiro, that looks awesome. I'll probably get around to playing Rise of the Tomb Raider for Shadow. Like, these, a lot of these games look so good. I'm really yeah. excited to play them. All right. Uh, I'm going to cut us off in a half an hour, so let's start Bethesda. Okay. Bethesda. They did their... So, like, let's just do some big picture stuff to kind of, like, get out of the way at the beginning of this. I really like the the sort of communal feel that Bethesda has. I like that is a bunch of developers on stage. They are very goofy. They get to have a lot of fun. Like, admit that this show, in how goofy it was, did run longer than I think it normally would have. But I will take that for the avoiding the, like, very scripted, like, heavy fucking corporate feel that EA and Microsoft had. Bethesda was easily the best of the shows we talked about today. It was entertaining. It was focused, more or less... It had all the developer stuff was cool. I think it had a good community feel of like Bethesda wants to is proud of being a company people like. Yeah, and like, I like that. Even when there were games on the stage like Elder Scrolls Legends, the card game or whatever that I don't really care about, but like the the community manager dude that was on the stage talking about it, like yes. seemed to really care about it because it's like it's his They're, job and he's like someone involved with that game and the people who play that game and, and he fucking gives a shit. And I think they give the, their devs the space to. Be eloquent in their own way. Yeah. Because the thing like on EA is that they had devs up there and wanted them to do corporate speak and it just feels awkward as hell. This was, go up there and be yourself basically. Yeah. And it was often very charming. It was fun. The main host guy had uh, some... Pete Hines. Pete Hines had some great fucking jokes. Like just genuinely funny moments. Yeah, when he drops the the, the Canadian Walmart joke at the top, it's like... Yes. Yes. Game we announced a few weeks ago through our friends at Walmart Canada. That was great. He had the thing later on about, you know, our never-ending mission to bring our message of fuck Nazis to every platform we can. You know, like, he was funny. I really like... Like, Elder Scrolls Online, I'm probably never going to play that. 
But the director who came out and yeah, talked about it, yeah. that was awesome. He had so many cool things to say, and it seems like he really loves his job and was into it. And like, if you like Elder Scrolls Online or have the interest in one day playing it, that felt like a very comforting, like, yeah, you know what? There's a bunch of cool content. They're making a bunch of cool new content. And it was very welcoming, not like, let's shove shit down your throats. Which, you know, it's all capitalism. It's how you package it. But this felt like a much nicer way to take your money. Yeah, it's just, I like the tone, I like the feel, and it's one of the things I just like about Bethesda. And they showed a bunch of games that I'm really interested in. Yes. So, first up, Rage 2. I, like, you know, I don't, I didn't play Rage 1, I wouldn't normally care about Rage. But I do, like, of all the post-apocalyptic shooters they showed, Rage 2 by far had the, like, most distinct pitch and the most, like, and the best edited, I think probably the best edited gameplay demo Yes. Of the show so far. This and Fallout 76 are the only ones I could tell you anything about from the post-apocalyptic shooters. Yeah. And honestly, I know nothing. I don't know what Rage 1 even is. This looked like a good game. This looks very cool. I don't know if it's something I would actually go out and buy, but it looked like a cool game. I liked the very Mad Max feel to it yeah. with the cars. Like, everything that... I, I mean, it looks good in terms of, like, graphics. It's got a clear style to it. It's got a lot of, like, interesting powers. This yeah. is, like, a good pitch for, like, how is our, like, first-person shooter gameplay different than, like... The hundred other first person shooters is you've got all this crazy yeah. shit you can do. What do you think of the Andrew WK rock concert? It was cool. Yeah. yeah. Like it's it's it maybe went on a bit long. I think on. I would have taken like a ninety second like anime OP version of that song than the full thing. But yeah, it did take I think twenty five minutes to get out of Rage Two, like from the beginning because they had their beginning yeah. like thing with all their their people at the home base at Bethesda, like their little commercial thing. Then they had Pete Hines come out. Then they had the concert. Then they showed Rage 2. Like, but by the time they got to their second game, it had already been almost a full half hour. Yeah. It, it's the kind of thing of it makes you wonder how they were planning on doing it before the Walmart leak. If like yes. that Because if that's how they opened the show was 30 minutes on Rage 2 and that was the first time you ever heard about the game, that would make a lot of sense. Yes. Like this, it was a bit much. There was one line in the trailer that made me laugh a lot, which is the, the main dude says... When he's talking about the, the how the apocalypse had happened, he says it wasn't war, it wasn't global warming, it was a fucking asteroid. <laughs> There's something about the delivery of that line that's like that's a good line. That's it a was. good like fuck it, you know. It wasn't like it, and there's something about how that that pitch of like this like the rage element of this post apocalypse is like humanity didn't even do this. Like it's just this like it just fucking happened. Like it's an accidental post apocalypse, and I kind of like that pitch. They don't go into it. I don't know if that's like a big part of Rage One, but I don't think I've ever seen that of like oh fuck like humanity had no contribution to this post-apocalypse at all we just have to deal with it um moving on Elder Scrolls Legends it's the card game they have to talk about it it's coming to the Switch cool Elder Scrolls Online they also they have to talk about it um they they did not say if it was coming to the Switch I guess it's probably not now there's new DLC you know if you're way into Elder Scrolls Online that was probably cool to hear this is what I I wanted to hear this is what I'm excited about this is what I wanted uh, I'll just read my notes. Is this Doom 2? This has to be Doom 2, right? Please? Yes. Yes, there is a Reaver. Yes, yes, yes. Doom 2, yes. Is it called Hell on Earth? Oh, Doom Eternal. Yes. Uh, it's a terrible title. It's a bad title. Yeah. It's a it's a really bad title. It's my only worry. Like, I was very excited. I was like, at that point in the show, I was like lying down on the couch, and I was just like dead to the world. And when the Doom it started up, I'm like... Those are Doom monsters. I was like sat up and leaned forward. Like yeah. it was it was incredible. I pumped my fist in the air. Great cinematic reveal. Does the title kind of on that same lines as Halo Infinite no. were you at all? Okay. No. I don't it would make no sense at all 
if for them to do that. Like that just does not feel like a Bethesda move, you know? Okay. Like they're because I mean, they literally did it later in the show with Fallout. But that's fucking Bethesda Game Studios. Yeah. Like that's like Bethesda Game Studios can do whatever the fuck they want to do. Yes. Like that's not it, you know? Okay. So yeah, I I mean it's entirely possible, but I feel like it is a because especially once um, Hugo Martin came out on stage as the creative director, he was the creative yeah. director on the first game, and he was talking about it. The way he was talking about it felt like sure. this is the sequel to Doom. I mean, because he basically just said like, "Hey, we are like you wanted to. We are making a sequel to Doom. There's going to be more demons. There's going to be more shit. If you wanted, to, if you wanted to know that there was going to be hell on earth, well, yeah, there is. Yes. And it's like, yes, he said hell on earth. Good. Like, check it off. That's yes. great. I I just I'll say this." We're two days into this thing so far, Sean, and yep. I'm already sick of titles that come up and are so confusing, it kind of kills any enthusiasm I had for a couple of seconds. See, but you're the one who's also complaining about they can't call it Doom 2 because of fucking Google. No, so. that's fine. For Doom, that's fine. I've always said Doom gets the exception because it's fucking okay. Doom. That's fine. I don't know. Doom Eternal is just a really bad name. Yeah, so it we'll sounds see. like the, the name of like a Doom book. Or or like the the iPad app. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, it's it's like it's a, it's like a, one of those like matching games where you just crush demons. Yeah. Like of Candy bugs crush or something. Yeah. yeah. But with demons, yeah. Doom Eternal. No. Anyway, but uh, yeah. Look, we're going to Doom sequel. Thank God. Yes. Because right. that was a kind of like with Hitman. It was not one hundred percent sure because Doom yes. One did not sell anywhere near as much as it should have. Yeah. Um, they talked about Quake Champions. People don't seem to be big on that game, but okay. Um, they talked about Prey DLC. Actually, like, even though I didn't play Prey, I don't really care that much about it, but I thought that that, like, section was weirdly entertaining. I like the two developers. The two and, like, funny. The, like, the goof they kept on having about the, like, mimic thing, which is a yes. enemy from Prey that can turn into other people. Like, that whole thing was just, like, because that's where I know, I just say, I love the goofy tone of this showcase. Lots and lots of devs on stage. Well-made video packages. Yes. It was um, good. Then, next is when they put a fucking Wolfenstein logo on the screen. Like, this, like... So far this E3, the best part has been, like, the sequels that I was very stressed about might not happen because of bad sales. And so far, I've gotten Hitman 2, I've gotten Doom 2, Hell on Earth, which I've still, I've just refused to call it anything else. And then now a Wolfenstein, basically Wolfenstein 3, it seems, um, called Wolfenstein Youngblood. They had uh, Jean Matthew, uh, the creative director of Machine Games. He's the creative director on the first two games. He's just a fucking crazy, awesome dude. He's the guy who said, in this game, you beat the ever-living fuck out of those Nazis. Um, which is just a good line. It's the first F-bomb of the evening. Yes. Uh, they reiterated that they're doing the Nintendo Switch port in a couple of weeks. And then the pitch for Wolfenstein Youngblood is it is in 1980s Paris. And you play as BJ Blazkowicz's twin daughters because Anya, uh, his sort of girlfriend, is pregnant during the last game. So I guess those daughters have been born. It is a co-op game that you can also play solo. And then they have this, like, what is mostly a sort of, like, mood trailer showing them, like, doing a training montage as BJ Blazkowicz very, like, ominously narrates over the whole thing and culminating in a line of, it's not about the pain you can deal, it's about how much you can take. And this is like, and that's the trailer coming in 2019. Sounds it, really cool. It was really fucking good. That's a fucking hell of a pitch for the next game of saying, like, it's not so, even, like, immediately, it's not... Like, picking up immediately after the events of Wolfenstein 2, which is kind of, like, the way that Wolfenstein 2 ends felt like, oh, that would be the direction you go. And so there's something so ballsy about saying, nah, fuck it. We're going, like, 20 years so in the future. So do you take it that this is, like, Wolfenstein 3, or is this, like, Uncharted so. The Lost Legacy? I think it's probably Wolfenstein 3. It might, it might be a smaller scale thing. It's hard to tell. But it would feel weird for them to go in the future 
Okay. And then go back to like a because I was taking this as I haven't played the series. I I thought this was more like an Uncharted Lost Legacy situation. But I, th- I think it would just be because Wolfenstein Two ends with like the Nazi situation so up in the air that yeah. like them going in the future and then going back would feel like very strange. So I'm yeah. guessing this is Wolfenstein Three. It's they possible they didn't call it Wolfenstein Three. Yeah. What's it called? It's Wolfenstein Youngblood. So they okay. did not put a number on it specifically, but you know, they, they did didn't that, put a number on Doom either. Well, they did that midquel with. Uh, didn't they do Wolfenstein the Old Blood? They did, yeah. That's like a DLC for the yeah. first game that takes place in like the okay. World War II section. So yeah, I just wasn't sure if this is a bigger version of that or a full sequel. But this, this like, doesn't just, matter. The, the pitch of it sounds like a full sequel to me. Okay. But yeah. I just thought that trailer was fucking awesome and I'm happy that they're making more of those games. Okay. Fuck Nazis. Um, then P. Heinz comes back on stage. They talk about VR for a little bit. There's going to be a Wolfenstein VR game. Um, this is when he says that line uh, in we're, we're putting Wolfenstein on sci- it's just Wolfenstein Cyberpilot out on VR in our never-ending quest to bring the message fuck Nazis to every platform possible. And I wrote, I love this guy there. It's, it's very great. good. So then next is where the sort of like the final big section happens where Todd Howard sort of takes over as MC. Todd Howard being the the, the creative lead at the Bethesda Game Studios for Fallout. Uh, Elder Scrolls, all their main games. He's and, directed an insane number of games people really like. Yeah, and he, and he just comes out with this fucking like brown leather jacket and this fucking swagger, and I and he just fucking takes over that show in a way where he straight up does like fifteen minutes of E three stand up of just talking about like all these like weird ethers like and remember that year when we were in Atlanta? It's like I liked it out there. Oh, you all, you. It's just like he just does like like Seinfeld style all this like stand up about. Fucking E3, it's so good. Um, he says this one line I really like. He says, I know the, that most of you, I know the thing that most of you come here for. And then the guy just yells out, Don Howard! And he's like, ah, oh, thanks. And it's just, he's such he's a fucking very... weird rock star game celebrity all of a sudden. And it's really cool. Well, because I remember years when Todd Howard has been more awkward in front of a crowd. He's yeah. gotten better at it. Yeah, it just feels like he's on top of the fucking world in this thing. And then they do... This insane fucking, like, basically Key and Peele sketch where Keegan-Michael Key from Key and Peele is on a couch and he's playing Skyrim on Alexa. Yes. And and it's just, it's really fucking funny. It's like it's a, it's a, like a text-based game but with speech. Yeah. Of like, you know, you see all these orcs, what will you do? Yeah. Your health is low. How many bananas do I have? Eat all the bananas. Eat all the cheese. Or cheese, yeah. Eat all the cheese. And then... Yeah, and then there's like a Skyrim, like fake Skyrim port on fucking like like an etched sketch, and on their yeah. smart refrigerator. Like it's just so much better produced and acted and edited and written and everything that you would. I've never seen something like this on E3, and I was just fucking cackling. Yes, it was very for this whole thing. I thought it was so funny. Like, and they, yeah, the the skit was the skit was the skit was called Skyrim Very Special Edition, which is just. Their their willingness to poke fun at themselves, I think, is part of what made the whole tone of the yes. show so fun. It's just like, I don't give a fuck. It's Bethesda. They don't have to give a fuck. They well, don't have, like, all these weird corporate overlords to have to, like, appease to. They can just kind of, if they, they're really dedicated to making these games and they make enough money to sort of justify it without torn, turning a massive profit, they'll just fucking go for it. Yes, it's it was very fun. Um I liked at the beginning of the trailer, he's he's on the table, he's going to, he's like, it's got my Switch, Xbox, PS4, he picks up his remote, he's like, uh, he's like trying to decide where he's going to play Skyrim, he says, Alexa, play, play Skyrim. Skyrim. That was just, it was very funny. It's, I'm looking forward to watching the video again later tonight. Yes. Um, so then that's when we get, like, the real deets, the hot details on Fallout 76. 
Um, they play that Country Roads trailer again. Don't know why. It's very strange. Um, and, and that's where I know that what they should have done, if they're going to play that trailer again, is they should have done a video in video where Todd Howard is on the stage playing the song on acoustic guitar and just singing. Like, that's, that's how fucking goofy this got, is that when I wrote that, I realized that that, that is entirely possible halfway through this trailer. This happens, yes. right? Like, yes. I would, like, I, the only thing is maybe Todd Howard doesn't play acoustic guitar. I don't know. He looks like the kind of guy who does. He 100% looks like a dude. Like, he kind of, like, looks like if John Denver got a haircut, you know? Yes. It's like, he's that same kind of scrawny, geeky dude. Yeah. So... Fallout 76, the pitch on this game is way more ambitious than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Because the rumors from, like, Jason Schreier and everybody were, like, it's going to have, so, like, that, like, PC survival game thing and, like, kind of, like, Rest and Daisy. And I thought that meant, like, oh, this is going to be a smaller game, like, very experimental. It's probably going to be, like, a Metal Gear Survive for Fallout. I didn't think that it would be Todd Howard's team. Um, but, no, this is, like... Seems like a full Bethesda Game Studios game. Like it's got, they say it's like they say it's four times the size of Fallout Four. I don't give a shit about that. Like, but it seems like it's got a, a like a sizable map. It's got, I th- they say, like six dedicated regions that have like like distinct geographic features, which I like that because one of the things about Fallout Four's map is that it kind of bleeds in with each other. And the the main impression I got from this was this is probably as what Fallout Four should have been. Yeah. Much more ambitious, much more experimental sequel that still seems like it has all the sort of fundamentals of what a Bethesda game is, but also just, just like throws this like big fucking Hail Mary of we're going to make it co-op. We're going to like put that shit in and we're going to like expand out the building stuff in a way that makes sense for a co-op game. But they, they he very heavily emphasizes you can play it solo if you want. Like it oh, is not Todd, only multiplayer. Let me say this: Todd did an amazing job pitching this game. Yes, this that is what the anthem thing should have been like. One hundred percent. Bioware needs to take a look at this because Todd Howard just came out there and just you know maybe he had some cue cards. I don't know, but it sounded like he was just kind of very conversationally like, "Let me pitch you on this game." Because and he started from that point of like you're probably skeptical about this. Yeah, so you let me tell you heard all the rumors. Yeah. yeah. So let me tell you what it is. It's online. But here's what it is. Here's what it isn't. Very importantly, he said you can play it on your own. That's fine. But you can run into other people. Here's why we think that's cool. Here's our design philosophy. I've never played a Fallout game. He was selling me on yes. this because it was a guy who I mean Todd Howard. Probably the, I don't know if he's the credited director on this. We won't find out for a while. But he is in the trenches on this. Yeah. He knows the stuff, and he's a good communicator. They didn't need a fancy clip package or trailer. In fact, I think they should have had fewer trailers for this because it went on too long. But yeah. just having him out there telling you, here's what I think the game is. Here are some clips that represent what I am saying. That should be simple, but apparently yeah. we couldn't figure that out. But, like... That I was just very impressed. It was like, and it's just, it's always cool to hear a game developer talk eloquently about their craft. Yeah. And it was kind of a mix of that and a pitch on the game. And so. Especially because also, like, the concept of the game is pretty complicated. Yes. And it's different than, like, you know, it obviously takes elements from different things. Yeah. But it seems like it's a pretty unique cocktail. Like, it's not just like, right. oh, you took Daisy and put it in Fallout. It's like, it's way more complicated than that. And, yeah. And his ability to communicate that with so much clarity. It was, like, really impressive. And then also making it very fresh and kind of communicable. Of I Like, he has this one little gag in the middle that feels totally non-scripted of where he just says, like, I like to think of it as something more like, it's not really a hardcore survival game. I think of it more like softcore survival. And he has, and then, like, a couple of people kind of chuckle at that. And he has this quick little side where he says, like, yeah, maybe that should be an ESRB descriptor. Yes, and it's like, great. And it's the kind of joke that feels like, that's a joke that he, I feel like he would make in The Office, you know? Like, right. just, like, it's a good little gag from someone who, like, 
has played video games their whole life, and this is like their thing. Is like they make a dumb ESRB joke, you know, it's yeah. like totally casual. I mean, it was interesting because I came into this conference thinking like. We don't know what Fallout 76 is. If the rumors are true, it's a very different game. That's a big pitch to make, especially for, like, Bethesda's formula is pretty... For the Bethesda Game Studios is pretty clear, you know? Yeah. And so, to come out of that on the other side and be like, no, you know what, I think I I know generally what this game is going to be. It sounds exciting. It sounds like something I might want to play. That is impressive, and I actually think a lot of people we've talked about today should take a look at what Todd Howard did. Yeah, like, I was 100% checked out on this game. I did not think there was anything, any way I would be interested in it based on what I heard. I, like, I enjoyed Fallout 4, but was so burnt out on Fallout after that. And I'm probably going to pick up this game. Like, the, like they, he, like, resold me on the concept of Fallout, which I was kind of done with anyways it's- by... Putting it earlier in the timeline, like kind of changing some of that context. They showed so many new enemies, which was such a big deal for me. Somebody played a lot of Fallout 3 and quite a bit of Fallout 4. Like, Fallout 4 has so few new enemy types, and this is just like all these crazy looking monsters, and there's like a fucking dragon looking thing at some point. And they said they, they were inspired by a lot of stuff from like West Virginian, like folklore, yep, and like weird like Virginia that. devil kind of stuff. Like, all that stuff looked so good. It's like, what a fucking pitch for this game that I was 100% checked out on. Well, it's unbelievable. I'm someone who didn't even get into Fallout 4. I didn't really like what I played of it. Maybe I would like it if I went back to it now, but just uh, no yeah. offense to the game, just wasn't for me. And I'm kind of checked out on the whole online game shared world thing. He sold me on that. Yes. That is what impressed me, is that Bungie can't really tell you what Destiny is. Uh, Ubisoft can't tell you what the division is. Bioware very much right now can't tell you what Anthem is, but he came out and said, no, this is what the game is. And it's just like, okay, that actually makes perfect sense why that should be a Fallout game. Yeah, and it feels like the kind of thing that is a smart step forward that, like, if this works really well, I would expect this to be, like, in the next Elder Scrolls and maybe in Starfield, you know? Yeah. Like, I would expect it to, like, if this thing works really well, it is the kind of pitch that feels like the way that they have pitched this game and, like, kind of shown enough of, like, sort of, like, evidence that I kind of believe of this time feels like what I imagined the pitch for Destiny was. Originally, like, so many years ago before they showed the game, even. Of, like, uh, it's like this big open-world RPG and there happens to be other people that you will encounter, not in an MMO way, but in this, like, more focused, distilled version. That sounds compelling. Because he also talked about how, like, there are servers, but you're never going to see them. Yes, and it's like all dedicated servers that are totally invisible to you. Right, which I love. If I am holding a console controller and you tell me to pick a server, go to hell. I don't ever yeah. want to do that. Dragon Ball Fighters did that, and it knocked it down like five. Good, good news. I've been playing some Dragon Ball Fighters again, and they have patched out that server thing. It just Thanks. gets you in there Fucking without any bother. Yeah. Anyway, but that was dumb that they had that. Good, it's gone now. But like yeah. this is not. And you're only in there with like he said a couple dozen people because it's the apocalypse. So like. Yeah. And they came with... I did not see all of the Fallout 76 stuff because I, I had to take a little break because they showed a lot. And I think maybe they had too much. Yeah. But the upside of that was they came ready to play. They are like, we are going to come, and by the end of this conference, if you weren't sold on this, we're going to show you all of it. Like, they came very well prepared of, like, we want to sell you on this game. Especially because they they, they dropped the, the release date is November 4th, 14th of this year. Yep. So it's like, it's not the anthem thing of, like, we get a little bit of a tease and then another little bit of a tease. They're like, no, this is the first time you've heard about this game, other than, like, some of, like, the rumors and leaks. And we are going to just show you, kind of like what they did with the original Fallout 4. Like, we're just going to show you what the fucking game is and it's going to come out this fall, which yes. I was not expecting. So, Sean, just a quick thing on this, though. Yeah. Hitman 2 is November 13th. Fallout uh-huh. 76 is November 14th. For me, Pokemon Let's Go is November 16th. That week in November is crazy. Yeah. 
I think for me, the good thing is with Hitman, I think I can play Hitman and something else at the same time because yes. I'm very used to that. So it's like yeah. that's not an issue for me. I also do like just the like, yeah, fuck it, fuck Red Dead Redemption Two, fuck it. <laughs> it's, it's like no, well, fine. Fallout is one of the few games that I think could swing a dick around. Uh, yeah, that, that's like there was something like when I realized they were about to re- announce the release date, there was a part of me that was like, this might just come out in October and say fuck you, Rockstar, because they yeah. like Bethesda Game Studios is maybe the other than like Nintendo, which for almost for like different reasons is the only other like development studio. It's like we can throw our raid around. Yes. We can we can fucking tell you, fuck yeah. you. We're gonna do our shit. Yes. Um, um, do you do you think Hitman Two moves? I kind of look at that date. That seems like it's, a weird. It's time. entirely possible. Yeah. I, I just you're sandwiched in between not just Rockstar but Bethesda and Nintendo. I, I don't. That yeah. seems like a especially bad. like after Fallout Shelter announcing this release date, I would not be surprised if they pushed it back to like January or something. Yeah. You know, honestly, Hitman would be a perfect December game. Yeah. I know they want to hit it for Black Friday, but like that would be the perfect time for Hitman too. Yeah, because you would get all the oxygen in the room. Anyway, yeah, but yeah, okay. So we had Re- that really quick on Fallout seventy six. I do want to just point out one line I loved from one of the little like videos they did because they did all these little fault tech videos, and there's one line that just cracked me up. Instead of coming over for a cup of sugar, your neighbor Johnny may be coming over for murder, and like the cup of sugar turns into a gun in his hand. It's a very good That's line. Great. It's very funny. All so right, yeah. Fallout Shelter also is coming out on PS four and Switch. I think today. I think that's what they said. Switch, nice. Switch port count three for yes. the night. Um, Are you surprised we haven't gotten more Switch ports? Kind of, well, There's time no, to go in e Because also it was Microsoft and EA were sure. the other ones, so it's like they're not going to like... Right. I would expect more at Ubisoft and obviously a bunch at Nintendo. Sony's yeah. not going to fucking ever say that. No. So I th- Sony's I, not going to have God of War on Switch? But yeah, it's like, and yeah, we've an unprecedented partnership with Nintendo to put our God of War game on. So God of War Pocket it's, Edition. It's yeah. chibi, chibi Kratos now. I'd, fucking, I'd, I'd be into that. <laughs> All right. Anyways, last couple of, like surprises because I thought like this is already. I was sure that this is going to be done. This was like, like what the fuck? You got so I've, much shit. I've been listening to a lot of Bruce Springsteen shows lately because he's my favorite, and I've just been in a rough period. I've been listening to anyway, but he is. If you've never heard, you know, does the, the marathon shows where like on right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, I was having flashbacks to that of like they just don't want to stop. It's like they already played Born to Run. They're pulling out the real stops here. Especially because, it, and like the thing was, when they started talking about Fallout Shelter, I'm like, they have to have something because there's no way they end talking about a Fallout Shelter port on PS4 and Switch. That can't be the last thing they talk about. What else could they possibly say? Like, this is the fucking Bethesda Game Studios game. They only do this every once, like three or four years. Behinds even makes a joke about that. They had a couple of mics to drop, though. Yeah, and so then they talk about. And this is like, it takes a lot to convince me to care about a fucking mobile game. Yep. They sold the shit out of this game, The Elder Scrolls Blades, which is, like, seems like a pretty fully featured Elder Scrolls type first person RPG with, like, a lot of dungeon crawling and you have a, like, hub base town that you go to that you, like, kind of build up and restore over the course of playing this game and going out to, like, different dungeons and and even, and there were, it wasn't just dungeons because there were, like, above ground ruins and stuff that you raid, get supplies, fight monsters, do your fucking Elder Scrolls shit, and then come back and build up that town. And it looked really strong. Like, it looked like it played pretty well. Like, the graphics looked nice. The, the pitch of that game, I like the focus on the accessibility of like you can play it in portrait mode, you can play it in landscape mode. Did you, you like, like that Todd Howard made a masturbation joke? Yes, he, I, and I think he didn't mean to do it. And that's good. He's just like, as you know, who knows what you might want to do with your other hand? So it's, you might want to hold a coffee, a cup of coffee, or something. You degenerates, and that I, I think that was a planned. It bit, might be yes. planned, but he pulled it off really well. It's just like the 
Pitch of the game is so solid. There's a roguelike um, other mode you can do. There was a PvP mode. You can visit your friends' towns if you want to. Um, it looked pretty good. Like this is actually yeah. It looked I like was... what I imagined. Like in 2008 or whatever. Oh, smartphones have video games on them. What could that possibly be? Like this is like the dream version of what mobile games could be if it pans out the way they're pitching it. Yeah, I'm excited to try this. Yeah, me too. And it's going to be free, which is the one thing that's like, okay, what's the monetization model going to be? I mean, of course they can't charge like 15 bucks or 20 bucks for a game on on App Store. Like that's not going to fly. So it has all, to be free. I just hope it's not super intrusive. All money in the game is real money. So like all the merchants, <laughs> everything you do, it's just if it's five. Hundred gold, you're paying five hundred dollars. Yeah, it's all like, real money. It's better hope like they're having a deep discount on minor potions of healing, or you yes. get fucked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that was I was in no way expecting to come away from this like caring about Fallout seventy six the way I did. I certainly wasn't expecting to care about a fucking Elder Scrolls mobile game. You know. Yeah. But yeah, that pitch was so strong. And then they're like, we still haven't done enough. This was where it felt like third encore. Like yeah. you know what? Let's just pull something out of the back that we haven't played in a while. Yeah, yeah, and this is the kind of thing of that when you then think back to yesterday in fucking EA and that fucking Star Wars bullshit with Vince Ampella, where they just like he's just sort of like in a, like a fugue state talked about like the title <laughs> of that video game. It's like here they talk about two games that are super far off in the future for like he specifically says brand new next generation single player game Starfield, which is the heavily rumored. Bethesda Game Studios, like, new IP that they've been working on since, like, 2012 or something. That sounds so exciting. Yeah, like, and, and he says a new, I, the first new IP that Bethesda Game Studios has done since, in 25 years. Which is, like, that feels like a Horizon Zero Dawn kind of, like, these developers get, like, let loose on a whole new property and get to make their own world. It's a quick it teaser is, video. And so, it's so, yeah. It's but good. that teaser video is great. It's yes. beautiful. The, and I love... It is the cool... Like, we can joke about Skyrim's on everything. The cool thing about Skyrim on everything is look at the, like, creative freedom it's bought that team. Uh-huh, of, like, yeah. they don't... Like, Elder Scrolls Six, it's coming. He announced it. But it's it's going to come in its own damn time. And in yeah. the meantime, they can do whatever they want. That's neat. That's just neat. Yeah, and if there's something about, like, the supreme confidence of just going yeah. out there, announcing these games, having a little teaser, a slightly more substantial teaser for Starfield than Elder Scrolls, and then, like, a title treatment and everything. And, like, you say music. substantial. Thomas wrote, he actually wrote more to us about that after that last text, so he, there was a lot in that Elder Scrolls trailer. Okay, apparently. yes, there there was an aerial shot of, yes. of a valley in some mountains. I'm kidding. They, they should have played Country Roads during that trailer <laughs> as well. Shenandoah River, yeah. Maybe <laughs> I can read. So, someone really should just take every E3 trailer they can find yeah. and cut Country Roads to it. This is my favorite part of the song is the beginning of that song when he's just describing geographic features. And it's yes. just like, I kind of wish the whole song was like that. Um, but anyways, we're getting off track. But yeah, like the Starfield, Elder Scrolls 6 announcements is the kind of thing of that I wish video game companies would do the way that we talk about like movie companies say, it's like, oh, fuck, we're going to make a fucking Shazam movie right. in 500 years. Like, it's, we're, we're working on it. Right. And this is just like, there well, have been so many rumors about Starfield. We were about to have so many rumors about Elder Scrolls 6. It's like, just fucking announce the fucking I, video game. I did, there was also this sense of like, Bethesda's had this card, particularly on Elder Scrolls, in their back pocket for years. Yeah. At any point, at any event, if they wanted to just bring down the house, they could play that card. And I think it, you wonder if, like, maybe two hours before the show, Todd Howard and everyone looked around and said, it's been kind of a slow E3. 
Do you want to win E3? Did did you ever just win E3? Did you you guys watch that Electronic Arts one? Did you see what fucking Vince Sampello, is he drunk? All right. What's happening? Let's just play the Elder Scrolls 6 card, and it's all anyone will be talking about for a couple days. Yeah. It's kind of like Nintendo with Metroid Prime 4 last year. Right, yeah. It's like... You showed nothing. This game's been coming out in five years, but fuck it. We'll show you a fucking logo, and and you will lose your shit. Yeah. So anyway... And and for me, like, I don't really care that much about Metroid Prime, so that didn't do anything for me. I love these fucking Bethesda games, and having that, like, Starfield drop, it's like sci-fi, this new IP with this studio, that sounds so fucking cool. Especially after you just showed that, like, how fucking crazy ambitious they are. With like fall, the the problem with Fallout Four was it just was such a safe sequel to Fallout Three. I was just kind of bored by it by the end, and and then just saying we're swinging for the fucking fences. We're going crazy. We're putting full online yeah. and all this shit in this game, and then we're making a new IP, and then we're going to go back to like you know the the a sequel to one of the greatest selling games ever, Skyrim. Like yeah. fucking, I am down. You yeah. know, Bethesda's show was so strong. All right, we've got less than ninety seconds, Sean. Uh, Bethesda, very good show. So good. Long in the tooth, but I definitely enjoyed it. But they it. had, they had like, the shit to show. They had know? the shit to show. And it it was wasn't good... long in the tooth the way that, like, Microsoft was, where they just threw a hundred trailers at the wall. My, my sense is, and I don't know if, maybe Sony has a huge surprise tomorrow, but I think this is the one people are going to be talking about, as yeah. the shows are. Yeah. Maybe Nintendo, if, I mean, Nintendo's going to have Smash Bros., so people are going to be talking about it definitely, and maybe they have other surprises. But I think for now, it's pretty safe to say Bethesda's probably going to be the one that people are going to come away from this week talking about. I agree. Yeah. All right. So we will be back tomorrow. We'll be doing Ubisoft. We'll be doing Square Enix. We'll be doing Sony. We will be tired. Square Enix, Ubisoft, and Sony. Let's get them in I'm the not, right order. I don't care about the fucking order, Sean. I do, because they're it's in It's 1230 at night. It's 12.30 in the morning, please. It is the second day of E3, my friend. Actually, no. It's the first day of E3, because this shit is fucked.